Good second. <laughs> Recording in progress. We need act one, I guess. Yes. Sorry, I did not know that was going to happen immediately. I thought there was going to be a second button to click. Narp. So I guess we are starting since the beginning of act one was just stated. Therefore, we are off and going here. Um, boy, oh, oh boy, quite a bit happened last time. And, and at, when I was when we were sitting there at the table, I, I was like, man, this I don't feel like we're doing a lot. But then when I thought about it afterwards, we really sort of ring a dang dinged through a, a week time scale, but did a lot of stuff throughout that we picked up with you all um down in the bowels of the dome of the starry lady where you saw what essentially was a well-kept or would have would have have been a very well-kept um essentially airtight mausoleum of sorts of primarily giant kind um one wing did seem to be for smaller folk, and that was where you had pre previously gone. You see that there's a statue of the Raven Queen, and inside that was a was a a, a mirror trap demon. You believe that's where the scroll of void was, but you've been mm -hmm. there. Here you were going to the historians and theologians, the um artifacts, architects, so on and so forth. Um, five questions what were asked, five answers were given. We, we went through that at the start of last time, so I won't hear again, of course. I did give you guys the English, the, the, the common, more or less translations of the city names. Therefore, we can refer to them as that, so you don't have to go like, and I'll be like, that's not right, Stephen, you fucking idiot. You can instead call it Serpent Spine. Your throw hands? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three hands. Three hands. That's how good my English is. Yes. And your math. You, you yep. can do basic math. Um, from there, you explored other spots and saw that there was really no other bodies that were going to be even close here. And again, recall that even the one skull that, that you did speak with was only, that could only happen because... Um, because there was a metallic, um, clearly arcane in nature jaw grafted to it that I know Annie knows. I don't know if Norwin knows where that hails from. I know that Earth definitely does does not. So I think Norwin does. You don't, you don't think so? Okay, then that's a yeah. that's a conversation for your own time if you if you choose to have it. But there mm -hmm. was something um, unique about about that one at least. It seemed to have been placed after. Um, before you guys left, as you were exploring the, the, the second of the three wings, Norman did discover something that may, cause there was a lot of good, good theories and good questions about what happened here. Was it the, what was it? The, was it the crow? Was it dragons? And you were looking for a whole variety of things, scratch marks, gouges that, that are very smooth. And I think in the end, Norman did find something that may at least be a dabble of a, um, of a hint. Do you, do, do you want to to just take a moment to explain what you found? Yeah, it was an amulet that was of an open book about palm size that was silver, and it was damaged. You know, like the chain was broken, um, and it kind of potentially was. We, we say that's Orion's symbol right. or something, and that was the one where you know they're trying to basically keep history at a base level where they don't go beyond and know all the all the bad things in the past trying to 
rewrite history basically or or erase it correct after a certain point yes very good uh then you tried a bit of a uh uh I can't remember. Oh, oh! you tried to, to do ascending down there. It didn't work. So you have a good assessment. Ah, okay. So mm-hmm. magic leaving here, the down, down here. Fine. Up there. Fine. Leaving, going through the obsidian, not so fine. Um, so you went up, you talked with, with your, um, mother, Annie and talked. well, next, next time, maybe teleport to your room or some, something and give me a, a, a mental call. Oh, call me, um, first so I can make, make this smooth as ice. If that ever needs to, to happen again, which knowing you guys, it may, or it may not. I don't know. Who knows? In any case, you then decide, okay. Summer home. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, what next? And the decision was, let's, let's lay low a bit here. Um, we just got back from the celestial plane. It was this, it was like the very next day that all that, that all this happened. Let's, let's lay low for a, a while until the summit report in and see what's what. When, when you two reported, reported in, you did, um, Urfail staying at the, at the, um, uh, the, the, apartment and um felicia graciously allowing him to and finding her own space um when you all when you two checked in with the with the queen and Eklund, they sort of filled you in on the fairly convoluted um scheme here a number of the um guards ambassadors scribes whatnot the the of the of the 20, the, the first initial force, the trusted 14 or, or so, are already on a ship, a well-protected ship, going along the Dagger River eastward, and then via convoy, the rest of the way um, um, to Gatesville, northernmost most city of the um, three face dates. That's a trap. Um, essentially, it is it is necessary to get them there, but it's partially a trap because, as far as any outsider what would think, Elspeth is actually going along with with them. But if this outsider, if this spy, really knows, then they'll know that the that the, the real plan is Elspeth will teleport in um, via me via an exorium, um, or I guess they just know that she'll arrive the the day of but the plan goes beyond that even and annie will disguise self to look like um elspeth norwin will will um alter self to look like elspeth so it's a more physical transformation a different sort of spellcraft not an illusion but an actual shape change of of sorts but we'll Mm -hmm. have her crown of disguise which is an almost exact replica at least from um afar of her actual crown um mm-hmm. to look like like Eklund. premise being somebody who's astute will think aha it, 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 um, manny is the is the queen but or they might go oh, oh no that that's a trick it's actually you um, they have to take somebody with pretty high spellcraft to discern through both at which time they hope that the confusion is sufficient Mm-hmm. Um, Eklund and Elspeth will come along in invisible and he has true seeing on um, Eklund will dimension door her away and when Annie says it's safe they will dimension door in 
and take their seat to actually be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and you and an earth or in a sense were sent uh, or went to Gatesville to check it out, learned what a cannon was uh, mm-hmm. um, and how it's That's not canon. the gun, pop gunpowder or whatnot, but with um, spellcraft and clever usage of the catapult spell, a bit of a recharge time on that, which makes it not as, um, um, you, you didn't see two of them fired at um, in sequence, but you imagine there'd be a bit of downtime for the spellcraft to re, re- reform. You're not sure what, what limitations there are on that, but a pretty impressive technology, all the same. Um, Manny picked up a stone from there and um, teleported back with Torwin, leaving Earth there to find a good tavern or bar or something that will be close enough hoping that it will be open during the um, uh, summit because it does look like they're blocking off areas uh, um, right now for several days plan in the future. Mm-hmm. The day of, uh, oh, and I sh- should just mention that in, uh, Minigo was brought in as, as well. Um, Manny is a part of a Guild, after all, one of the um, three owners. And, uh, you know, Inigo is sort of voice for them. So it could be good to have him along. So indeed, he came ostensibly as a guardian, but but also as a voice for the um, guild. If something, if a, mm-hmm. you know, eight person guild is deemed important enough to bring up at a summit like also, yes. he has knowledge of the East and of the enemy and the war out there as being part of the Legion of the Dead for a while. Very, very, very good point. I um, didn't, didn't mean to omit that, but a fantastic point. He actually does have unique insights that otherwise may not have. Mm-hmm. With that, um, um, Annie has true seeing on her and teleported everybody to the beach at Gatesville. You made your way up and, and through, and you got to see the various colorful garbs of these folk. Mostly humans, good number of halflings, um, um, elves, not that uncommon here either, gnomes and the such. A good eclectic bunch of folk, all unified in all the ones that you see looking quite resplendent and quite colorful, jewelry and and whatnot. You don't believe that these are all nobility per, per se, but they're definitely the more um, affluential sorts, um, affluent and influential. I just combined affluent and, and, and influential um, sorts who could probably either pay for the um, honor of seeing the um, delegates come through or at least have enough clout that they um, can stand there and gawk. Um, but there are, there are the roads are cordoned off to the average folk, which you did see some of those as well. A few teenagers chuck eggs at a manixaria, looking as the queen. Um, others, a one woman um, screamed and decried that that they will not be um be um uh, that they are free free people led by those we elect. We will not bend nor bow to a tyrant toddler. Um, she was mm-hmm. chased, you know, chased off. And ultimately, you made your way into the council chambers themselves, which is a facility which you see uh, on the image here on, on Roll20 that is 
that is one of, of three, one in Gatesville and one in each of the other two phase states where the three chancellors um, there meet and discuss um, plans and schemes and whatnot for the phase states. Um, just realizing now, I actually did not, of all things, bring up a, um, uh, there's two more images I will put on Slack for you all right now. And I'm gonna do it under Sermonea, though it's technically not um, oh, accurate. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure, sure. Like the ambassador Kellen Lingrids. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Ambassador Kellen Laguardas. That was somewhat close. And you'll meet this fellow soon enough, so I will just put him here right now. Chancellor Rubidhan Broderick. Hmm. I'm gonna them here, and that way you can refer to this. And again, I'll be putting this on the, the sermon, uh, lore sermon A here, because phase states were after all a part of sermon at one point in time, so why not? Mm -hmm. So, um, Ambassador Lagardas and a number of the, the, the Gates Watch, the guards here in Gatesville, um, escorted you, your troop, which is full of you two and guards, the likes of all the names I, I, I put on Slack already, um, Valra, Tristan, Eskel, whatnot. Um, and you were escorted through the people, some who fawned, some who gawked, some who threw, threw eggs or, or, or screamed, and entered into to the facility that you see here. You saw that the king, Paul Duran, um, his august majesty of, of Agastón was already, was already here, sitting in the far left, left throne. But Anaxoria's true seeing saw, it was not him. It did look like him though, sim similar in stature and build, if anything, just bulkier um, um, and a bit, taller and, and whatnot, but same um, black, um, medium length black hair and, and beard, very similar um, armor that the king wore. So definitely a body double that was further illusion to look exactly like the, the um, um, king, but probably not as well-versed in changing, changing his voice as Anaxori is, so opted to stay silent. Um, you did see um, the first inquisitor, Kresnik, um, he was, he was there, but no arch lector, um, and a variety of, of, of folks came, came in and out as the time went on. Ultimately, I put all of the most relevant folks and pictures on, um, Slack, um, which is accessible for, 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 for all, all of us, in, including Leo. So we can always defer to that. But as Annie sat there, time went on. Um, she saw that the Agristonian, uh, the real king and some archmage fellow and some um, um, high general and the, the, the archlector and also advocist um, teleported in, spent Stab at the at the end, and even uh, um, before that, you had at the the Alfheim delegation that walked in through the opposite doors that you two had originally trudged through, and that is where you saw the familiar face of Moonseeker, um, 
But that was, and the familiar face of um, Colonel Bombas and Junior Colonel uh, um, Rofelos, which which you two will remember from previous meetings with them. Um, and the and the familiar face of the um, high general of the of all the Agrestonian military, um, Lord of the Leaves, uh, wearing his usual armor, golden and emerald, shining, tight fitting, and those beautiful horn helm that's like um, antlers that spread out in two tree branches, and that big ass sword at his at his side that he, he always has to rest a hand on, or it would drag upon the ground behind him. You were, we, we ended pretty, pr pretty um, shortly after um, when the Alfheim delegation entered, there was another figure that, that was not familiar to you by the name of Luneth Dawnseeker, who uh, was introduced as Korsalutar, which obviously means something to you, to, to you all with whatever information you choose to, 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 to take from that, um, do so. But we'll have plenty of time tonight during the summit, I think, to, to suss through and discuss what people you wish to. Um, the whole host arrived, including then Annie sent a sending to Wacklin, who then poofed himself and Elspeth. Um, I will start this right now again. Elspeth had a very brief, not speech, but just a brief apology for any subterfuge, but after what happened in the court city, safety is paramount above all else. Um, the others clearly have no leg to stand on to chide her since they all did not come by, by boat either um, and, and employed similar tricks and took her seat at which time um, she and Eklund thank you both for your, um, for your efforts, for your pr protection, for your everything. And you are free to mingle and sit where you choose. Um, Ambassador Lugardus will, will say, <clears throat> now that all have assembled, in 10 more minutes, we will begin in earnest. And he gestures towards the um, candle, which is just burning down very near the bottom, bottom, bottom of its, of its, its wax pooling over at this point in time. When that is extinguished, the meeting will be begin in earnest, approximating 10, 10 minutes or so. But again, time is not an exact thing unless you're Norman and you have a federal pocket watch. So you guys are free. Like to, you guys are free for the next ten or so here to move your people as you want, and have discussions if you choose, and find and ultimately find a, a seat. As a re reminder, briefly, the um, I'll ping uh, on the map right now. These are locations where scribes and um, um beam counters and essentially are. They're, they're, they're the ones who will be documenting things and they're, they're the ones who general such and such might snap his fingers and, and you know ask for something and, and come there. So these may not be such appropriate spots for you. And the front lectern here, you presume, is if some, somebody has a grand speech to, to have, and this is where um, Ambassador Lugardus is, is at, at this moment in time. That is, is where one can address 
everyone. But a, a, a map and scroll work is already set on the, the table right here where the three um, royals up front can see easily at this moment in time. But as I say, you are free to mingle, talk, do what you wish for 10 minutes or so in game time. Oh, so we walk down this way. Yes. That, that's how we, we get down. Okay. That makes sense. Or be cool and jump. Yep. That is true. Now I got rid of the jump spell because it wasn't in power enough, full enough to get the elevator up. True. <laughs> Can't lift an elevator. What good is it? The elevator would, would, would just go, and then fall again. <laughs> it goes like 300 feet up and then just drops us at terminal velocity. You wanted uh, it. Yep, it's true. Hard to argue with that. Um, well, Norman's going to nonchalantly make his way to the back here and grab his staff from Inigo. Um, and his, his shield, I guess. Mm-hmm. Easy enough. Then, then while I'm back here, um, I'm going to look in the other direction and cast potentially one of the most useless spells in D&D. Uh, we'll see. And that is Find Traps. Oh, you prepared Find Traps. Yeah, I was looking at my list. I'm like, you know what? Any undesirable effect. Yes. We'll see. <laughs> Just for the sake of um, Rachel and and Leo, who don't know every spell encyclopedically like 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 us, the reason why why find traps is a trap spell, no pun intended, is it's a third level spell that simply tells you if traps exist. It does not find them. It does not. It does not outline them. It doesn't even to tell you how many traps. It just says uh huh or uh huh. <laughs> so it's it does, sort of it does a little bit. It also kind of tells it, you like. Sure, Poison. sure, sure. It 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 <laughs> does it does a bit more than that, but it's widely considered a that should be a a first level spell, or mm-hmm. it should be a lot more a lot more specific, like detect, fair, detect second magic, level, is, but yeah, a second level spell. But still, um, mm-hmm. so but as you know, head for this back, situation. yeah, as you head back there, Inigo uh, will happily give you your your stick and your shield. Um, he's just sort of loitering around the um, pool you you noticed his 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 furred finger is a bit damp um you imagine he stuck his paw in there um whether because he's a cat and just does that or if he was test testing it for some sort of nefarious um, um scheme you don't quite know you need well enough yet to know which mm-hmm. um he nods to you and then then sort of just mingles in the background watching over folks Again, this map is not every single person on this. This room is fairly full. Um, the front three rows, especially, but a lot, a lot of folks don't want to sit right next to each other, especially if they're from different um, uh, um, um, realms and whatnot. So there are in the back as, as well, and there's a number of guards all around the um, all around the ring, and at mm-hmm. least eight that that annie you sent icky up, up above near that big ass organ up there to look and see you saw eight eight guards all with crossbows knocked and um loaded but resting at the um side um right now not in hand but they're all looking down not making themselves hidden by any means if you look if you were in the right spot you just look look up you'd be able to in fact norman as you walk by and you just catch a look up you can see them up there looking down watching all of mm-hmm. this um so yes you cast 
find traps. Mm -hmm. Now, I suppose I should make sure I know what I'm doing. So I will look up the exact wording of this. Yeah. Yep. It's not one trap I... within range, line within 120 feet, line of sight. Anything with mm -hmm. a sudden unexpected effect you consider harmful or undesirable, specifically intended as such by its creator. No lot of spell, glyph of warding, pit trap, but not a natural weakness in the floor, unstable ceiling, mm -hmm. or hidden sinkhole. It only reveals a trap is present. You don't learn the low location, but you do learn the general nature of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. You uh, cast the spell, which you've never cast before, because why would you? Um, and you are almost surprised, but assuredly thankful, maybe, that it does not ping anything. There is no register within, within 120 feet of any sort of traps that would be defined by this spell crap. You know that there's limitations to it, so you're still very much on your on your guard i imagine but oh yeah it's better mm -hmm. than all of a sudden something going burr, burr, giant glyph of warding. warding gonna gonna go off exactly yeah exactly but i figured that was maybe in this case maybe a two-for-one combo wombo special because you know there'll be people doing detect magic but maybe a physical trap might not have um you know pinged people's you know yep all right so as Norwin is walking over the, the long distance, grabbing his, his staff and shield and casting and, and scouring. A Annie, as voice of the crown, I, I believe that you have undone your illusion form. Um, I believe that Norwin is using the crown to make himself look like himself, strangely yeah. enough, right? Yeah, but I am still a little shorter just so I don't bust out of Elspeth's dress. Yeah. And with my true sight, I am appreciating how well your staff and shield go with the dress. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's weird because especially from Annie's true, true sight, you see Norwin, the real him, looking like him in a dress. At the same time, you see the illusory him looking exactly like him, but in his normal like, like, like armor and clothing. And in between them, you see Elspeth wearing her dress it's a an odd format that yep. kind of fun so annie what do you do in this time i would be filling eklan in on what i see like the eight people above with their crossbows and just filling in on what i saw okay. well thank you for your your diligence and uh yeah i mean what only take a brief time to fill to, to, to fill him in, in including the um, eggs pelted and whatnot and whatnot else if you choose to bring to bring that sort of thing up. But he uh, thanks you as Elspeth does. And um, I yeah. wouldn't bring up the eggs and the shouting, not with you Elspeth okay. around. No. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. yeah. As far as far as the, the, the eight crossbow wielding folks above um, Eklund will nod and thank you and um just sort of twi twiddle his fingers a bit and a snowy owl will appear um about 30 feet away on the um left turn and just take flight and come up you see a, a number of animals in this place right now uh... um there is almost a very elegant looking peacock like smaller 
I want to say peacock, but it's smaller, very shining blue, sort of elegant looking bird with like a um, crest right here, here that goes back and, and comes forward. But instead of the big peacock plume tail, just a long, like four foot long feathers that, that, that come off, They're almost like a pheasant, but but colorful teals and blues and, and, and greens. Like literally a shining bird. What creature you have no idea. It's almost fae looking, but it is, um, it is, is flapped and found its spot somewhere as as well you would have seen that come off of the um archmage the um uh so this is supreme archmage nix river wind that had appeared that had teleported in with the um mm-hmm. king or, or his hawk and arch lefter several other um animals and the sort are, are around here you imagine everybody is doing some sort of animal spying and scrying and um detection of, of magic illusories and the such so it's not mm-hmm. entirely unusual that Eklund adds his owl to the, the mix of a half, a half dozen already flapping around the place. Where did you go? Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> when I Norwin's back... Remaining here, time. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, when, if Norwin's back here is... I mean, I don't know if you've thought about this with uh, Leo or not. Is is Norwin within 100 feet of Ashra? He would be. Yes. Okay. That's all I needed to know um, there. And then Norwin would also uh, do a lap around with a detect poison up just to, just to see what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You walk, you walk around detection of poison up on you, mm-hmm. your eyes and your senses do not detect any poison whatsoever. Hey, that's nice. I was expecting maybe even like some of the delegation might've had some just for giggles. Mm-hmm. Or the closest thing I was, I was gonna say the closest th- thing that you get are the um platters of champagnes and wines and, and whatnot and finger foods some mm-hmm. folks are indulging in these but most are not um most have come come here you know full belly or they have brought their own rations and the um such y- you imagine there might be a grander meal or, or something later on but most are abstaining for any sort of food or drink that that is being offered by the folks here. Mm-hmm. Nope, that makes sense. Those were my two detection things I wanted to do. Annie, we'll come back to you. Anything that you would like to do in this time before the shindig gets started? I would. Then I'd go down and I would greet the arch lector. Go ahead. Do so. It's pleasant to see you here. In good spirits, I hope. Now, my dear, you don't need to lie to me. I don't believe anybody has seen me and said it was a pleasure in a long, long time. I don't know. Kresnik always looks happy. Is that true, Kresnik? Of course. Your eminence. Oh, well, good. Good to have a friend in this place. <clears throat> You played your part well, I take it. As well as everyone else, I do believe. Looks like our people had the same idea. Indeed. Our delegation arrived a few days prior and we're scouting out the area to make sure that it would be at least somewhat safe for us to arrive. And indeed, it was deemed so. 
Absolutely. The cannons are interesting, though, no? Hmm. We parked our ship just outside, right within a range of them. I half expect to hear them go off at any, any moment and run it through. But nothing and nobody of extreme import is still on the ship. So if that happens, we simply know what we're dealing with here. I'm sure you have your own eyes in the sky and fingers on the pulse. Hmm? Absolutely. Say, question, whatever happened to a certain cup that got us in a lot of trouble? You see as the arch lector's uh, visage grows a bit, a bit uh, Holy dark. Shit. <laughs> as he, he swells to an enormous- He's a giant. <laughs> he casts enlarged times three. <laughs> As you see his sort of uh, sunken in cheeks and his, his gaunt, th- th- thin lips um, sucking at that spy, has no two front, t- two front teeth, the, the gap there. As you say that, there's a bit of a sound as he... Hmm. And what would make you ask about such a cup at a time like this? Just always curious. When you travel with something for so long and then you never see it again, you often wonder where it went. No? Wouldn't you imagine it's, it's still safe in a, a vault in Fadrickthel? Hmm? Maybe even Hawcock, where you originally lost it? Would it be? Hmm. Typical tiefling with your sharp tongue, attending to no more than you actually do, but it would seem that you know enough to play games with me. Oh, I thought we were beyond games. We're friends. He leans forward a bit in his wheeled chair and there's a <clears throat> bit of a cough, almost in your face, if, if you, you have it down at his level, as he leans forward, <coughs> leans forward if you find yourself bending an ear ever so slightly. The monk is safe in my possession. That's all you need to know. That's all I wanted to know. Thank you. Unless you have a business proposition for me. Would that be all? That would. It was nice speaking to you, and I look forward to when you have a business proposition for us. And I will bow and walk away. His one blindish eye seems to track you as you walk past, and then he returns to his status. And I will go back up to the dais. You actually uh, should not. Should not? Each per person has one guardian, uh, um, as was approved. Otherwise, they'd have a ton of folks up there. As mm-hmm. as as voice, you can speak with her all you want. Um, you obviously should be within within 30 feet, so you could get there and, and mm-hmm. teleport, dimension door her out. But you can, um, or at least 
close enough sort of thing. I, was say, I don't even know if you can get within. I don't even know. No, that's probably true. Feet. No. Mm-hmm. 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 has I, that spot well, well taken. Sorry, go ahead. Then I would probably sit up here, but away from them. Yeah. If you hold down, if you hold um, the alt key, you can drop yourself precisely exactly where you want to. That, that's how I got to get people to be uh, mm. where I want them to be. I'd be right there. Very good. On the side. Makes sense to me. All right. After you chat with the Arch Lector and, and take your seat, any last things that, that you would like to do, Norwin, as you're going around detection of poisons? I think last 10 minutes or so, so you, minutes, you, you yeah. have that up and you're scouting around. Any, any last things you want to do before you take your seat and where would you like to sit or stand if you choose to? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as I'm passed by Moonseeker, obviously I'll give her an acknowledgement of her existence that she's there, but kind of gauge, I assume she's probably pretty well business oriented. And so we won't like necessarily bother her too much. As you, you know, do your, do your circuit with the detection of poison and see her nod to her, she nods back to to you and offers a a slight Mm -hmm. smile. Um, As you're kind of looping back, back around, she will stand up and step toward Mm -hmm. you and will sort of quietly um, and respectfully, she will do a, Bow. Mm-hmm. It is good to see you again. Good to see you as well. It seems like we're running into each other a lot more frequently these days. Yes, if I had, if I had known that we would be seeing each other more often, and all it would take is me being the eyes, ears, and hands of the undying court, and and you uh, acting warden of Seminea, we should have done this a long time ago. Yes, indeed. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems that this place is somewhat safe, at least. There doesn't seem to be any poisons or traps that I can detect with the magics you've taught me. I stepped through uh, yesterday myself and have been doing very similar sweeps, as I imagine I have noticed you doing. And I mm. likewise was unable to detect anything both inside and outside, even in the surrounding areas. So either the trap is very, very well laid, or it is simply will be sprung in other means, or dare we say, there is no trap. Well, it has not been yet, yet set, but let's hope that there is nothing. It would be amusing to have some sort of a congregation of the powers without there being a kerfuffle as we've had. I will oh. say that the end exactly as, as you were, were about to say, on one hand, this is the most currently, let's say profitable lo- location for such a attack to happen, not unlike the last a- attack that happened in on the day of Sun's blessing in the court city. But I dare to think if there's another location as filled with powerful individuals as there are here. And for, for every one that you see in this room, I imagine that there is half that at least outside within the city proper. Yes. All eyes are here right now 
from all fifth three realms. And I imagine the, the face states themselves. So for, for all we know, there may even be a Scarlish battalion under un, underground, impossible to say. If the enemy is here, I'm more concerned with them, with their spying eyes and relaying of information than I am them necessarily springing a man trap. Right. That is fair. And it is also, as you say, with so many eyes here, it makes you wonder where our eyes might be, should be turned elsewhere. Very true. I know. With the course Salutar here, I am, as odd as it is to say, if there was to be some sort of assault by dragon, void walker, or hobgoblin priestess, I would almost welcome it with the amount of people that we have, have in one room. With that said, if meteors may begin to descend from the sky at speed, I'm not sure if there's anything that we could do about that. That may be the most danger. Yes, well, you know, perhaps some stone walls, I don't know. But, you know, we don't have necessarily time to react to such a thing from what I've seen, at least in my experiences with it. But no, it's, it's good to know that we have such powerful people nearby, and it's also fascinating to see the, you know, Cosa Lutar. It's an honor to be in the presence of such a established presence. So she she gives she gives her own sort of a thin smile here. Um, and you, you can tell knowing her as well as, as you do that there is a there is a bit of a there's something beyond that um, sort of thin smile a um, veiled opinion that she is, she, she is not coming exactly outright with yes I suppose I won't draw on the topic for too long then. But I will I'll be nearby, obviously, if anything comes about and if you need anything. Be sure to let me know. She smiles because it's the most foreign thing possible is in a place a place like this to offer her or anyone his aid. She'll say tend to your own your own flock for once and keep your eyes there, Norman, and I will do the same for mine, knowing that we look out over each other's as well, always. Always. Thank you. And Norman will go and perhaps, uh, let's see, where is he going to sit? Maybe like over here. Let's see if I can hold alt, you say. Uh, it's option... There we go, option for me. Okay. <clears throat> Split the room. Very good. Anything else anybody would like to do before the meeting gets started in earnest? Nope, I would just be constantly scanning. I'm assuming I, you know, Icky and I would, and then constantly opposite. Mm -hmm. Eyes everywhere. Everywhere. Okay. 
as far as folks see the small itty bitty flame just eventually snuff out as the wax and, and wick are both consumed enough. There is a bell that as Ambassador Lefardus takes the lectern again, book in front of him, but it doesn't look like he's reading from it. It looks like it's more of a, maybe the laws of this area or something like, like that. But he um, briefly here, um, actually, before I get started with, with, with that, I'll just say to you two, um, tonight's session, at least part of it, will be a bit strange. Uh, um, because there's so much talking that's going to happen in eight, 10, maybe 12 hours long of these schmucks, you know, deliberating and, and talking and whatnot. So I'm going to hit the high points. Mm -hmm. um, and instead of RPing every single individual's vo vo voice and whatnot, I, I might just default to saying what they, what they say. The gist. Uh, um, the um gist and say ambassador says this rather than hey, 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 sort of, of of thing um which makes I insist right... on the hear ye hear ye well i will begin everybody then with hear ye hear ye hear ye the arch like to hear ye hear ye hear me um so tonight's session will be a bit strange because of that and also because um a lot of it unfortunately in a sense will be you guys listening Mm -hmm. uh, Manny and Norwin here are are more than welcome to voice their opinions at, at any point in time. This is not a thing where you guys are meant to be, you know, seen, not heard. Um, you both have enough clout that you can speak up if you have ex have experience or strong strong opinions with something. But in general, this is for the highest of the, the um, high to discuss and make sure that their terms are in are are in uh, are in agreement the alliance is healthy and then it, it will it will transition into the highest of the high military minds piecing together what places to defend how can they have joint efforts here if we go through this pass and you go through this pass can we protect Har 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 Hagen together you know that sort of stuff things that again ultimately you two <laughs> may not have strong opinions about nor do you have the position to really speak unless it's something specific like um hey actually i know the um, um pilgrim's past i would do this instead sort mm -hmm. of of stuff if that comes up oh there's a lovely lake over there exactly got the nicest berries so typically, we wouldn't have a session where half of it will be devoted to me talking in 15 different fucking voices, um, spilling information. But at its core, this is an information gathering session for you, mm -hmm. for, for you guys. We're recording it so we can refer to back and Theo can listen. But any notes that you guys take on things that are extra poignant, I highly recommend that you do just on some paper or, or, or whatnot, or you're at your, you're, you're at your computer. So feel free to type up stuff because ultimately earth will probably need to be canonically informed because he can't yeah. see and hear constantly. Um, and that will be your guys' job to sort of inform him and um, in you go. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, this is pretty accurate. Exactly. Yeah, it was his idea to not come and come and he laughed and to, and sent me a thing that um said, "Hey, we like to RP. We like to RPP hard. How about Earth's just not there, and I'm not. I'm, I'm not there, because right now, j j just so you know, Stephen, he's actually at the um cafe working like a the double shift to make the oh. rest of the week easier. So, oh, um, 
Yeah. So if, if he has a Monday, a Monday off, he tends to do that um, mm-hmm. to help his Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday be a, be a bit smoother. So he's, that he's not, he's not, sense. he's not just at home playing Elden Ring, um, jerking it um, with his <laughs> wife and kids in the, in, in the other room, he's doing work, but he sure, did sure. say, he did say he is there. He is there alone. So you guys can message him if you want to on Slack or text, or if we get to a point where we're like, we need to have this guy's opinion, either his or Nigo's, we could call him, throw him on speakerphone, and he said he'd try to pick up. I don't anticipate that being necessary, um, sure. but if it if it comes up, he's free to um chat because he is in that cold, dark cafe alone. Fair enough. Uh, if only I had known and I had Misa here, I, then we could have had a Nigo properly. <laughs> what were we thinking? Miss Miss Opportunity. Yeah, she's visiting her sister. Yep. All right. Okay. Sounds so good. with that said, let's be let's be, begin here. The ambassador Guardas. Um ring a ding dings. And he um first he's going to change his visuals. Ah, that's much better. Thank you, uh, computer, for being easier than dissipated all right i'm gonna make this work you guys i swear to god well, just give me a second I'm trying to make so i can see your faces and my notes at the same time same time that's what i'm doing now i do this once i don't have to worry about it the rest of the night there we go oh look at that face thank you rachel that's that's the th- that's the thumbnail for the whole session okay so ambassador Le- Frogbard is here, here with his fez and his mutton chops and 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 and, and whatnot. Book out before him. him. Um, he lays out the focus and time frame for this summit meeting overall. Specific, not specific time points at this time, this time, and this time, but the overall purpose of it. And he says, as impossible as it may be to fully work out the intricacies of friendship, camaraderie. Loyalty, alliance, much less strategy and tactics all in one day. This is exactly the task we find ourselves starting just now. Undoubtedly, plans will change and conversations will not end here. This is merely the beginning of the long undertaking of any alliance. But there needs to be a time and place to start such things. And our hope is that now is that time and these walls that place. I would like to begin by introducing the elected chancellor of our fine city of Gatesill for six consecutive terms. He has a few brief words and will gesture and bow. And a figure that was sitting back here, not in a far back pew, but if you see my own thing pinging, um, who is the other image I just put on this sermon um, or channel, uh, Chancellor. Oh, oh, oh. Guidhan Broderick, bald human in his healthy 50s with fine yet fairly simple robing, a top tire. He looks less trussed up than the ambassador that just, intru- that just introduced him. If he hadn't just been, been introduced, and, and, and in fact, this whole time, you saw him mingling and chatting with some folks, often the servers, the young guards, the young gates watch, or just sitting 
watching. You would have taken him for maybe one of the Omegastonian delegates, or more than likely, just a, for lack of a better word, an event manager or an, an overseer of some such. The fact that such a comparatively simply dressed per, per person is the chancellor is, uh, well, I don't know if it's surprising or not, but he stands up and he says, sorry, just music on, on my end here. And he says, we all call the West a civilized place where commerce flows for all the realms of benefit and words are used instead of steel. We compare this to the Easterners who do not hold such capacity, for whom the only weight their words carry is measured by the heft of their sword and deeds. We compare this to the Northern continent where our people are laying down in seed only to be pulled up by the root by more savages not yet graced by our collective wisdom. But let me ask you all this. What truly makes us different? Less than a hundred years ago, there was still bloodshed betwixt your borders. Short enough that elves born amongst those times are still youths. Western history is marked by bloodshed or all the war in all its years. We claimed right by conquest, right by lineage, right by justice, right by religious belief, right by freedom. But if none too can agree on the reason, then aren't all just as fabricated as the next? Gatesill, Amersill, and Sunsill split from Sermonea during one such epoch of bloodshed. Since they surround the Fay Wood, our founders took upon the moniker the Fay States, though each is governed independently. But no peoples that live in such proximity and rely on each other can be truly independent. Our triumvirate of chancellors are each elected by our people every three years. And thrice each year, we, are, we meet in one of the council chambers in each city. You are all now within the council chambers of Gatesill, but there's no greater or lesser than its sister and brother in, in Amersil and Sunsil. We seek harmony with each other so that we may all thrive. And while we are a microcosm compared to the sprawling realms that you all lead, I ask that you seek not the ill comparisons and instead look for the new aspirations you may find here. If the West is the civilization to which all the realms across the world should aspire, then we must show them that our pen is mightier than their sword, that our voice carries power beyond spellcraft, that our populace chooses to heed our rulers because they seek the betterment of all rather than being brought to heel by force. But all of this begins here and now in this very room that has seen hundreds of such gatherings. 
but none, dare I say, as potent as this. You, kings, queens, coronals, and even myself, if I may, chancellors, are making history in agreeing to such a summit again. Bravery known to all after the tragedy of son's blessing. And a clear sign that ye are not to be afraid and will not bow before the enemy's threats. Let your words be not only for yourselves and your peoples, but also for the peoples of the other realms. Let your strategies carry the wisdom of your generals, but the will of the simple farmer. Let your spears and flags be raised, not in salute to your individual greatness, but to the new heights that can be reached together. He sits in this plight applause from a smattering of folks, the scribes, ambassadors, even generals and, and, and whatnot. And while it echoes loudly in this cathedral-like chamber, um, you two cannot help but, but note that some do not clap at all. Um, amongst those are figures with furrowed brows and tight lips, classic visages of disapproval or perhaps even distaste. The face states are, to some, a powerful reminder of what can happen when the populace gets strong enough gets highfalutin ideas, ideals, I should say, and is not managed appropriately. Amani, um, uh, with your passive per perception, you note the, the, you note the arch lector and King Duran, for example, seem to share a look briefly that amounts to, let's keep a closer eye on the, on the um, uh, Runwald Peninsula, shall we? Um, Norwin, on the other hand, can't help but but note that these motherfuckers have the right idea. I was like, you were sort of pitching an idea of, of this um, to the likes of Elspeth and Vaniel months, months ago, only to see that such, such a thing can possibly exist, though again, in a smaller scale. And again, you two, feel free to unmute and interrupt me if you wish to say anything. Like if Annie wants to stand and say, that's bullshit, Chancellor, now would be on time. Okay. <laughs> no, she, she says. The black raven on the statue says, that's bullshit, beef, beef, I got beef. Okay. Um, the, the, the meeting then starts in earnest. Time to summarize. Elspeth begins by confirming something on the top of many folks' minds here. Before you get to the stratagems and tactics, let's make sure that we're all in agreement here. If you bring gifts, you, bet, you better at least show that the wrapped box is on the um, table. So Elspeth begins by confirming that indeed the court edicts will be uh, lifted, in part, which would allow the Dragonmart houses and their respective businesses to reach the other, the, the, the other realms. Now, if you two recall, when you returned from the celestial plane and then the Domestari Lady, you did see um, Quentin de Landar, current Viscount 
um, chatting with her. And you would have, and Annie at, at least would have learned that indeed these conversations are going on with each of, of the um, Dragon Mart patriarchs. The lifting will have a time frame of seven years. So it has, it has changed a bit. To be started one year after the unquestionable victory by the West against their enemy. That's the unturns. Now, what exactly that means, unquestionable victory, is left to some de debate, but ultim ultimately it has to be an agreement of all the um, realms, which can be can be tricky. You know, Agastone could block it by saying, I don't know if we won this, you know, you know war yet, so sort of thing. But fair is, is fair after all. So that is, is the terms of the start. One year after the declaration of victory is declared. Um, and there are clauses in the fine print that um, if, if an agreement cannot be had by the um, three Western um, 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 realms, there's fine print that says what that exactly entails. Like um, one year after the um, my last attack, um, scouts, there's a whole bunch of fine print. But right now she's just going to go over the highlights of it. However, despite this dragon mark you know, business is spreading past the court city. In no way, shape, or form will it be allowed for the Dragonmark houses to be involved in conflict between between Western um, allied realms, including Scarlet, even though, though they're not here. Again, plenty of opportunity for a debate here. What helps one, House Agastone might lead to Alfheim's, um, you know, suffering in the future. So there's fine print that goes into the details of that. Like any sort of um, thing, you can spend years going through all the um, fine print, which has been done up until this, this point. So these are just the high points. The, the ability to, uh, to audit and censure a house still lies wholly within the court city if it is viewed that one is abusing these rights. However, understand that the crown will have no realistic Ability to regulate their deals outside of the court city. She warns to expect very high demand and, and therefore drastically higher prices for any services. The pricing of things in the court city is somewhat controlled. There are stage gates as a whole. The, the court edicts go through an enormous amount of work to lay out, um, you know, like Kenneth can't just charge insane things that nobody could accept, you know, one house could, could ever buy them. Otherwise, they'll create a monopoly on that and, and, and then there's just everything. So there are laws that go into that. In fact, she explains that they will realistically have no way to regulate that in other, in other realms. So that's your problem to deal with is essentially what she's saying. She, she ends by saying, if you desire the, the, the free market, you'll get what you asked for. As she sits, nobody seems to argue. Um, the scribes do dole um, out um, written copies of this that are like, you know, a, a stack of par parchments. They begin to um, flip through reading the unfine um, print with their monocles and their, um, their, 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 their um, glass, you know, all that stuff. They're making sure that what she's saying is actually true to the letter of, of the law as written in there. Quick question. Mm -hmm. Of course, how do you spell it? K-O-R-T-H. Thank Court you, just edicts. wanted to double check. Mm -hmm. 
King Duran, his august majesty of, of Agerstone, stands next. And he goes on with a well-practiced speech about how now is the time to come together truly and finally. Much of what the chancellor just said, but in less drastic terms, things that you would expect a good, good king to um, say. And the more that you interact or see this um, individual, um, and it's true at the um, Sons of Blessing Summit also, he's very much a king. He is dressed as a paladin. He is wearing armor. He is strong-jawed. He is powerful, but he does not exude the same command that the likes of the um, the what late King Ashkevron did. Um, but you know that King Ashkevron uh, was a general of the army, you know, before he became king. A cell name uh, married him specifically because of that, to bring strength in this time of war and all that stuff in this, this time of threat. Good pedigree, good sign to, to, to the rest. You know that the, um, that this, that King Paul, um, Duran, like House, uh, like the um, Valdemar family in, in Sermonea, the Duran family has been in monarchy for a long time. So he was very much born into this position, whereas the late king, king of, of Sermonea was selected for it. Um, take that to mean what you, what you will, but he's very much, you think there's a bit of posturing going on with him and you recall how much he wanted to like, you know, ah, you and me, you and me, you and me, right? Like, you know, I'm human, you're, you're human, paladin, paladin, son and daughter, son and daughter, oh my God, we're like the same, you know, alliance, let's crush Alfheim, sort of stuff. Um, with that said, um, as he goes, as he, he goes on, he says, as a, as a gesture of goodwill, and to everyone's shock and surprise, he states that he 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 has agreed to initiate a return of the Moonwald to Alfheim borders, starting ten years after the war is won. The terms of of winning will match precisely with those that Queen Elspeth just laid out. 10 years after, he already has treaties written and he gestures to Orzhov, who recites several of the terms, including but not limited to the following. One, a timeline for all citizens of the Moonwald to submit their agreement or disagreement for returning to, to Agerstone by written word. Two, reparations from Alfheim to all who wish to remain Agerstonian citizens and are therefore forced to, to relocate. Three, a time frame for the transition to begin and complete. And four, a time frame for trade and goods to continue flowing from the, the Moonwall to, to um, Agerstone for a time, even after the official transition has completed. Can you repeat those? Sorry, I can't type that fast. No, it's fine. Um, one, there is a time frame for all citizens of the Moonwall to submit their agreement or disagreement disagreement of returning to, to, to Alpine by written word. Two, 
reparations from Alfheim to citizens who wish to stay in Agerstone because they need to move their entire house, their, their entire livelihood, their entire business, perhaps. If, they're go- if you're going to force them to move from the Moonwall to Agerstone, pay for it. Three, a time frame for this trans- transition to begin and complete. It begins 10 years after the after the, the war is won, but there's pro- there's provisions for how long that transition can take. It can't be, it's not going to be overnight. There will take years for it to happen. And four, a time frame for trade and goods to continue flowing from the Moonwald to Agrestone, even after this transition has completed. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Cornel Bombas, sitting in the center seat, says that the Karsakarn will study every line of the pr- proposal in detail and return any amendments as swiftly as and King Duran interrupts. He states, the proposal is already a concession to leadership and people of Alfheim and no further amendments will be allowed. Any added ink to this parchment will null and void the, 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 uh, the agreement wholesale, which he believes is quite fair and generous. He has been pushed far enough and advised wisely to see that that this course is for the best, only hoping that his father's soul will continue its rest despite despite this, knowing that his his father was the king at the time when the Moonwald was taken as part of Agastol. He says, Elspeth the Peacemaker was at one time instrumental in the end of the last war between our peoples. And the Moonwald was a part of that deal between your Kerslakarn and my father. Consider this act of returning our greatest spoil of, of war, a concession that goes beyond any reasonable expectation. The terms written thusly are in plain common and be, and intended for the betterment of my people as well. I will not leave them homeless. I will not remove a crucial source of food and goods and income from my realm without a steady transition plan. Considering your long lives that you always boast of, I expect that 10 to 30 years is nothing, as I'm constantly reminded. Throwing the elven terms in their in their own in their own face. Uh, Lambas, Relina, and Rafelos, uh, the um, three cornels, call for a brief recess to review the terms in detail before continuing, as should be warranted for such a generous offer of sincerity. Ambassador Laguarda says. Already? Uh, my, my, we've hardly even be, begun. But he looks from his dais over at the um, chancellor who nods, who, who nods once. He says, so be it, a 15-minute recess will begin now, unless any have significant disagreement. No? Very well. The, the, the organ will play again when it is time to reconvene. And he flips a large, a large hour glass on the um, dais. He pulls it out from, from beneath the, um, the um, platform and drops it there. Big, ornate um, hourglass full of sand. The sand begins to fall swiftly. You imagine that 15-minute 
recesses are fairly common in things like this, though he seems a bit shocked this is happening so quick. So as the sand begins to fall, um, this op opens the floor to people to, to, to mingle, talk, prepare, and, and plan. And indeed, people begin to mingle and whisper their own thoughts and document things. As you watch as the three coronals and a number of the ambassadors and scribes from Alheim take the various copies of this agreement and make their way up the staircase to discuss in, in relative private amongst themselves as they suss through. You two and everybody else will have 15 minutes here to mingle, chat, do what you wish, or just sit and remain ever vigilant if you have nothing more pressing you wish to do. Annie would remain vigilant, just watching, um, yeah, making sure nothing uncouth happens. Yeah, no one might just sit around and kind of, especially watch the delegates from Alpine to see kind of their reactions of it. Just kind of keep it, keeping an eye on them. Um, but, you know, otherwise, mostly just, just chilling, knowing that he's here doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just bodyguarding. That's all we're doing. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's fine. I just, just want to sure, make sure I'm giving enough, enough time for you guys to interact if you choose to. Perfect. Um, 15 minutes go by fairly swiftly here, and um, the coronals come back. Lombas takes his seat. Everybody else sits, and there's a general quiet to the chambers as the ambassador waits for the last sand to drop to drop through. Says the meeting shall recommence. Hear ye, hear ye. Then he deposits that underneath and stands to the side. Well, Mamba smiles jovially enough as he's very good at smiling jovially and looks at the um, king and says, agreed, your terms are accepted. King looks at him and nods slowly, almost like testing it like, but, but there's no but. Lambas just nods once more and looks back and gestures for the ambassador to continue you. So that's basically the main points that the king and queen and corns had to get across. You know, are the Corthodox being lifted? What are the terms? Has the king come off his high, his high horse? Is he going to deliver this? It's going to be more, more deliberate. But remember, there's already been a dozen meetings with these two, you know, with these folks, um, with them, with, with Sister Maya that Annie has been a part of, of, of most moments, but then a part of a few, especially with um, with, with, with Alfheim. But it was not surprising that, that the court edict thing was happening. It was a little bit surprising that the king just came out and said that the thing with Lumal had all of these terms. But ultimately, those conversations have already been had. That's not the point of this meeting here. The fact, the fact that the first 45 minutes has been devoted to that, if not all at this point, just a testament to go, okay, are we good? We good? We good? Now let's get to the real point of this. It's not, it's not a summit like the other one. Oh, will we be allies? The point of this is, is more, let's have the generals here to discuss what we do next. Okay? 
Now we're going to transition this session for, for now into the most fun part, which is numbers. Um, don't bother taking notes of, of all these things unless something of extreme interest pops up. But as I discussed with, with you all, um, including Leo, exhausting as it was for me to, fig to figure out what the hell the population was, um, I'm going to flip the map on roll 20 to the world map right now. And I encourage you just to sort of have it zoomed out enough that you can see easily a square and the um, entire west. At, at least I'm Hagerstone down to um, Sermonea. So the first thing that you have to do determine how many how many armed forces do you have to 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 look at here and i, I want to it switched for me did oh. it switch for you stephen no nope. it didn't i i switched mine but i didn't move the player's bookmark thank you rachel for calling me on that there, we are. there you go thank you thank you mm -hmm. now we're in the ocean um so I'll walk through how it came to these things, just because it's probably interesting to to to, to you all. But I, I won't spend an enormous amount of time on this. I'll just tell tell you what what they are, so you can go. You can have any sort of reaction you want, from a <laughs> wow to a that's it to a that's so many, whatever. I think that the numbers might be <laughs> interesting to you. Um, I can tell you right now that when I did did this, some numbers seem way smaller than I thought. Others seemed way higher, but they're both true, which is very the fucked up thing about big numbers. So according to the last census, um, which was about 10 years prior, adjusted for expected population inflation and wartime losses and whatnot is this. If you look at each, each square on, 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 the, on the map, um, the dimension of that square is 62.5 miles from one nexus to the, to the, to the next, okay? which means each square itself is around 4,000 square miles, a bit, a bit less, we, we can say around fourth of a thousand square miles per square on a map. Um, in, in real life, we, we might say that 40 to 50, maybe even 60, 70% of any given um, land is what we call um, <laughs> um, farmable. Terrible. It, it, it can be farmed, it can be used for livestock, it can, it can be fields. Um, I've decreased that down to 25%. Per, per, percent. And I did a lot of this based on real history here. So 25%. Per, percent. And my logic is, even though there might be plenty of land that could be you know, tilled and farmed, whatnot, this is still a fairly dangerous world with magical beasts and, and whatnot. Um, so 25% of, of the land can be, and if it can be after a thousand plus years, it, it, it will be tilled, okay? So uh, um, the other key point that you guys probably didn't know, because I sure didn't, does, do you guys have any guess how many mouths one square mile of farmland can feed? between crop and um, livestock, just any guess, one square mile, how many people can it support? I'll say it that way. 100. Any guess, Rachel? You, you, don't, you don't have to have a guess. I just thought it was interesting. I would say like 70. 180. Nice. Good job, Stephen. Yes. Mm. 
Our have, powers combined. <laughs> I have decreased that down to 50, but not in, importantly, importantly, not including those in villages, towns, or cities. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the number is actually hot, much above 50, but I wanted to first figure out what's your peasant population that lives in villages and hamlets and what orders lives in their own farmhouses. So for the sake of this, we, we could be, could be consider that one square mile can house 50 people. And as I said, 25% of the total, 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 total land mass is farm farmable. It's safe enough, arable, whatnot. And if it can be farmed after a thousand, seven hundred years, it will be farmed. So, with that in mind, uh, most are lone farmhouses that tend to flock in field, make their make their, their own necessities from crafts, sell and trade what they can't at the nearest village. Therefore, each square has one thousand square miles, taking into account the um twenty five percent is farmable and whatnot. Times fifty people per square mile means that every square you see has fifty thousand peasants in it. Okay, Mm -hmm. multiply that by the number of squares, which includes half squares in Sermonaeum, or which is 31 um, squares. The total peasant population is about 1.5 million people. So far, that makes sense, perhaps. Um, Things get a bit funky coming up here. The average village in my world is about 12 and a half miles apart. If you think of one square as a grid, that means that there's five by five, five things, right? Cause it's 62.5 divided, divided by um, six or by, by 25 is five. So village, 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 and then a square going down. Of course, that's not how it is, but a pro- very, very proximate stuff here. There's 25 villages in every one of these squares. And if we estimate that each village is 500 pe- people, which is about 100 to, to 250 homes, some are some are less. But when we talk about hamlets that are like 30 people total, those are included in the general peasant population. Those are just clusters of folk that have come to them gather. An actual village is like um, um, Woodbridge and the and the um, such. So say 500 people. So each square has about 12,500 villagers in it times the t- total n- number of squares and the total villager po- population is 387.5 thousand folks, okay? Each square, for, for every five um, villages, there's one town. A town being, being defined as a 3,000 people um, or so. So that means that that is about 15,000 people in towns per, per square times the number of squares means that there's about 465,000 um, people living in towns. And finally, each square has one city where the local marquee, this counterall, whatnot will live. The po- population of a city in, in this context is about 15,000, which is pretty big for mid, mid- medieval type cities. Uh, so each, so that's one per, one per square. So a total city population is 65,000 also. Therefore, each square houses 92,500 people. 
And that might seem like an enormous amount, like, holy shit, how is that possible? We would be trudging through the woods on paths. We would be seeing people constantly. It seems that way. But when you actually think about to drive from my house to Noka is about as far as as it would take somebody here to walk or take a horse from here to Noka, right? And if we didn't have have a car, that trek would take about, about, about three hours on foot. And imagine that there's nothing between here and there. All that distance that we drive via car is just open road and woods. Maybe a farmhouse here, well, of course, a farmhouse here and there. In, gen- in general, it's open. It's not a, not a village or a city. It's just open area. That sort of, I think our modern view of cars and has really skewed distances um, to realize that if there's that, it's actually 12.5 miles is a pretty significant distance to walk and horses are not faster, they're just more convenient. So it is quite a, a um, trek to go in between places. But it does mean that in the civilized West, in general, if you're trudging through, it does mean that in an average day's journey, you're walking past a village, the village there, a hamlet here, three farmsteads. Um, it's not the wide open wilderness that we may have thought of before. With that said, the numbers here are still drastically less than even Minnesota would be for the entire mm-hmm. c- country. Um, the, the last thing um, is all the cities you see on the map, all the ones you can visibly see that there's a symbol and, and, and a name next to, those are referred to as Dawn cities because those are the ones that have existed since Dawn, right? Those are ones that existed before humans, the humans, dwarves, and elves went into them. They repurposed them. Um, they are enormous things. Um, those are exceptions to, to, to this. Every Dawn city on the map holds 100,000 people which if you're curious, is a full 30,000 more than Paris held at its height in the, in the um, Middle Ages. 70,000 p- p- um, people were Paris in the 1500s or so, and that was the largest c- c- city all of there. Um, since these cities defy our scope of size and stuff, um, they can fit more folk in them. The exception to this is the court city, which holds 250,000 people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Sermon in particular, you can count that there are six Don cities, um, those being uh, from bottom up Sunasil, Summer Night, Greensill, Gold Sill, Wolf Sill, um, and the uh, uh, Winwood. On the eastern side, there by the um, soft by the sovereign steps and the court city itself. If you add all of those up, the population of that combined everything else I said means the total population of of Sermonea is three million seven hundred seventeen thousand five hundred approximately. Approximately. Okay, all that work was just to get the population. Why did I do all that? 
Because that's what you have to, that's step one to figure out what is the, what is your military population? What is the militant population look like? And according to my, my research, it, it has, it suggested that it takes about 100 commoners to support four part-time troops, which you can consider your city guard, right? They don't work 24, you know, they're, they are guard, but they're also just Todd from next, from next door. If that's okay. their own job, but they work it eight hours a day and three shifts or whatnot, right? But that's that's what you consider part-time troops. But there's a hundred commoners who support part-time troops and one full-time soldier, which means somebody whose job it is to be in the uh, the unstanding army um, or what, whatever that means. And we'll, we'll get to what a medieval army really looks like. It's not like ours where it's not the, um, it's not the same, military. but we can use this to basically divide the total population by, by 100, which might be more than you're thinking, but think of all the different professions, oh, old and young, men and women, all that stuff. Um, one out of every 100 person um, would be in the actual army, um, in the military. So that means 37,175 is the total militant population, the total armed population, um, army population of Ceremonia specifically. Multiply that by four, and that gets you the total possible armed populace. If you said, okay, I want every guard from Fadrixil, from Hocock, I want every single guard that knows how to wield a sword to march east, then you take that number and you multiply it by four. But that's not what's happening here. This war is by no means at a point where every where we would abandon protection of, of every city in the West to, to march eastward. But it's good to know what your total um, um, trained armed populace would look, look like. Now, here's where we get into some, some fantasy stuff. So if the total um, military population is 37,000 and some, some, some change, for every 25 soldiers, um, footmen, cavalry, whatnot, there is one utility mage, sometimes referred to as a hedge wizard or utility mage or something of the sort. I consider these under level six. So and not all of them are that. Many of them are just, you know, level one guys that can do a cure wounds um, and, and whatnot. Some are up to level to, to level five where they can do a fireball, which is a dev. If you imagine fireball is a devastating thing in tight knit warfare, um, phalanx op operations and such. Those are basically your current equivalent to our, our snipers, right? Like a, a um, regiment of 25 Soldiers may have one sniper amongst them, if that. So that's about 1,487 of these sorts of um, utility mages in Ceremonia that work again for the army, specifically our militant operation. In Ceremonia specifically, this number is also equal to the total number of clerics and paladins that exist. And that's because the court, the court city, as has been established, is the major hub for them, right? That's where they all come to congregate generally. So another realms are a mere one-fifth of this. 
So Sirmene has a depth, and that's part of their power is their conglomeration of paladins and, and clerics. Again, in normal times, they're not used for warfare. They're used as more peacekeeping stuff and to show good will. But of course, if there's the devils and demons and plagues, they are sent to go deal or, you know, um, undead scourges. In this case, the war has made it so they need every able-bodied um, soldier and healer, and they're more and more than happy to give that part. But again, that is, they can only move if the three aspects agree. Um, so that's about, again, 1,500 or so utility majors and 1,500 or so paladins and clerics. For every 50 of these utility mages, there's one powerful war mage, which I which I, I define as level six to level twelve. So that means that there's about thirty individuals that work for the army or a duke in Sermoneo who's sworn fealty to the um king and whatnot. You know, they don't mean that they all work for the um king. They don't respond to to the um, to do the crown directly, but they respond to their own legion lords and whatnot. There's thirty individuals capable of casting um, level four, five, and six spells up to that, okay? Not, not all of them, all the up to level 12. That's just the um, spectrum there. Anybody anybody that's, uh, that's level 13 or past that, which can do level seven spells and, and up, um, are not counted amongst this. Those are your likes of Avalok, Eklund or adventuring sorts like yourselves or wild card individuals that you can't necessarily count on as part of your military force, right? You, you don't say, oh, I'm going to send these people over here. So they're sort of offshoots. Um, those are your special forces. If I send this one guy to, to do this on one task, it'll get done. All that makes sense? More or less? All right. So now I'll just do the um, numbers for the other ones you have, because they would establish these, these things. Agrostone is bigger than Ceremonia. It, it encompasses 50 squares. If we include the exact same scheme, that means that their total population is around 4.6 million. They have six Dawn cities, um, not including Lunheim. Um, so their total is 5.225 million um, population, which means that their military power is 52,250, a solid 15,000 more than the likes of Sermon. Yeah. Their, their army is comprised of five legions that make up what they just call the king's army. The first legion is 10,000 strong. The second is 5,000, or uh, um, the second and third are both 5,000, and the fourth and fifth are, th are th 3,000 each. How much is the first um, one? 10,000 strong. 10,000. Mm -hmm. And if you remember that gray skin sort of, uh, of uh, um, um, liver spotted, dreadlocked half orc, that is uh, um, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Arch Imperata, um, Tai Lang. He is he is the the, the arch imperata of which means he he's the imperata of the first legion. He his word commands unquestionably ten thousand um, um troops, and and obviously these legions are then broken up into different divisions and 
and regiments, platoons, phalanxes, so on and so forth. Um, the number of mages that they have at their dis disposal, but therefore is 2,090. But their number of paladins and clerics is only 418 because re remember, Ceremonia has, has five times that of any other, of any other realm. And there were pages numbers in around 42-ish. So by a sheer number game, they um, have more than Sermonea, but Sermonea has, has the edge based on their paladin and, 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 and cleric populace, if need be. Which brings us to Alfheim, where the numbers change a bit. Alfheim only, has, only covers 13 squares, so that's one... 0.2 million people. That's it. They only have two dawn cities, which are not even on the on, on the map that you cannot see. The likes of Shea Caradil and a second one. So the total, but those each hold about uh, uh, hundred people, as I said before. Their total population that therefore is only about 1.4 million. Their military. Um, it indeed divides that by 100. So that's about 14,025. But their total armored population is 10 times that. If you recall, I said previously, um, for every one um, army soldier, there can be four um, trained folks, right? Mm -hmm. that could, in times of like need, could go to you no know, more, leaving their homes unfitted. But for elves, it's different. It's 10 times that. It's two and a half times what it is any, anywhere else. And the reason for that, if you think about it, it makes sense. Most elves have basic training with a long sword and bow during their youth, which is 100 years to practice. And elves live, live longer. So there's simply a much higher population relation of the of um able-bodied folks the population of, of of young that can't fight and their population of very old that can't fight is very small compared to the population that can fight and and will to, to defend their their own place so if you calculate the total number of possibly armed individuals armed individuals they actually have considerably more or approximately the same as Sermonea and only a bit less than than, than Agerstom. their standing army is not that but if they need to if you try to march on them they will defend themselves to tooth and nail because your average joe can pick up a sword and longbow and use it quite well furthermore the um the, 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 the other realms, the number of utility pages was one for every 25 of them. For, for Alfheim, that's one for every 10, because elves are naturally just more inclined to, to spellcraft. You know, high elves, you know, literally gain a cantrip. They're easier. And again, they have much longer lifespans to learn. I'm going to learn a few, you know, spells and a sword. So that means that their number of mages are 1,400, which is again, approximately equal to the likes of Sermonea and less than, than um, Hagerstone, but still very impressive considering their population is, is about a quarter. 
Their number of paladins and clerics, again, take that divide by on five, so about 280. And their number of war pages, instead of dividing by, by one for every 50 utility, utility mage, we divide by 25. So they have more powerful mages as well, again, including that a larger, because they have such a long lifespan, so more of them can reach greater heights. This is important. This means that Helfheim has about 56 mages between that level six and 12 span, which would generally fall within the Cormanthir, okay? That the Corsalutar is in charge of. 56 is more than Agrestone, more than Sermonea. So from a downright magical standpoint, Alfheim has the edge considerably. So that's it for the um, um, numbers. I just wanted to get, get that out there so you, you, you guys had an estimation of what we're, we're dealing with from that standpoint. Well, let's take a few minutes here to discuss, because I think, I think it's important, um, what the military, using, using that, that term fairly loosely, differences look like in medieval times in this world to the modern age. Okay? The royalty of any Realm, the crown, the Coranthir, the what or the um Karasakarn, well, whatnot, does have a fair fair number of standing armed in individuals with ranks and titles. This is what you what you can refer to as the, the army of a realm. Okay. But most of the footmen, cavalry, artillery, knights, and so on are beholden to individual lords in their own territories, okay? Um, Steve, I know that you've never seen Game of Game of Thrones, but Rachel and um, Leo, if you watch it or listen to this, think of Game of Thrones, right? It's not like um, Ned, Ned Stark or whomever, you know, the um, Stark said, I'm gathering my, my army of 10,000 troops. They had to go and basically say, we're going to war. You're coming to, like, are you, you know, with us? And they had to make, make deals and all of that stuff. All the different houses have their own banners, their own loyalties, and whatnot. The idea is they're all loyal to the crown because they're in the realm, of, of, of course, but ultimately those footmen, those soldiers, those knights are beholden to their indiv individual um, lord. Mm -hmm. For example, the barony of House Tillamook may only have a dozen knights, each of which are responsible for bringing five men as their own retinue and footmen all of which would be a single platoon of 60. Whereas the Duchy of Duke Rogant may have an entire regiment of 3,000 under his command, responsible for enacting his will across 200 miles in, in any direction. Okay? Now, Duke Rogant's men came to give Duke Ellington an, an order. The latter may very well tell the former to fuck off. And then we have we have to attack this you know flank. We're getting crushed. Duke Skellington's men can say, "Nah, we're good." So central leadership can be a tricky, th th tricky thing here. Often the nobleman himself will join on military expeditions and campaigns for the honor or the glory, and assuredly the rec the recognition that comes you know, comes with it. An Earl's best chance of prizing to a marquee 
can't be showing valor in war. The dream is to be the last battalion standing against all odds or leading the cavalry that saves the king's hide. The risk of not joining the battlefield, at least in proxy, if not yourself, is that you have abandoned the crown. So the crown may abandon you. They may levy higher taxes. They may audit your, your every move. They may find an excuse to demote you, rank or two, replace you, and the such. But it's a given and, and, and a take there. The independence of so much of the, of the military strength leads to conflict of interest and sometimes disastrous results. If the eastern flank crumbles because one baron's platoon flees, that could spell doom for the entire division comprised of three dukes regiments. So here's the easy approximation to go by. All the other numbers of soldiers and mages and whatnot I came up with assume that Half of that, half, is the standing army that the crown or the um, castle crown or whatnot controls. Half of them work directly for the um, true leadership. The other half are the ones that are sort of more um, rely um, their own liege lords and these, these such. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that is the boring numbers and military explanation side of things here. Uh, I think we should take our break right now and coming back in, we'll talk about the key as the conversations go on and on and on and generals are discussing this, this, and this. There are a few key topics of discussion that would be helpful for you guys to, that your ears would perk up and go, ah, okay. And um, those will sort of roll into topics of discussion if you guys wish to have them as well. But for now, let's take a a, a 15-minute break and reconvene, and we can uh, continue from there. Sounds good. All right. See you in a bit. I'll be... Beginning of Act Two. All right. So after the intros, the intermissions, the declarations, and the, then the generals and lieutenants and whatnot, and captains step step forward and begin laying out the total number of their troops that they have. Those that they can send right now, those are already out there at the um, 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 steps, making a, a hard garrison bulwark against the Eastern forces and including numbers of those that um, they should be able to gain via liege lords and, and whatnot. Um, it becomes a long numbers game and discussion that you guys are listening with half an ear, maybe a quarter ear, spending the other three quarters of your, your f- focus, making sure that nothing uncouth is couthing up the couth hole. Um, and indeed, no couth here, only uncouth. Wait, no, that's opposite. Oh, shit. Shit. Um, my notes, they're ruined. The, the yeah. couth is out. 
<laughs> things seem good, but you're like, I'm not here to necessarily throw in my weight into this opinion. I'm here to listen, not just to them, but more importantly, for any other creeping things. I imagine Annie is sometimes going into it, Icarus's eyes to be um, less obviously looking around her shoulder and, you know, you guys are all doing what you got to do to convincingly keep an eye and keep tabs on I'm the in situation. watching everything. Ivan's like, hey. I have an opinion. Uh, <laughs> what, are, what are we doing here? What's a hobgoblin? <laughs> yep. Is that like a goblin with like a bum leg? Mm-hmm. Um, I think he said knob goblin. <laughs> so with all that said, the conversations go on and on and on for hours upon hours upon hours, and there'll be plenty of opportunity for you guys to for fifteen minute breaks and whatnot for discussions. There are actually mm-hmm. somewhat about every hour. There's a fifteen minute break or or so because people mm-hmm. there's a break, and also it's opportunity for the people to talk amongst them themselves to discuss like was that good, bad, what do we do next? You know what I mean? So there's. With some degree of freedom. That's why the, the upstairs is not forbidden by any means. Folks will tend to, you know, like they'll skedaddle upstairs and they'll have sort of breakout conversations in their in their huddles. Sometimes they'll even step outside if they don't want to want to, to be overheard. But there's a general understanding that the people here right now, um, if they really wanted to hear everything, they probably could. And you know that the likes of a Macklin is very carefully making sure that there's no scrying sensors and, and whatnot around. And you imagine others are similarly reversed. Now, this Nix River Wind Elven, um, fif- elven figure that came in with the um, King and Arch Lector um, seems quite astute. Always watching, looking around, his col- colorful peacock pheasant creature. Um, his graceful neck always swooping around, looking at his long. He remember he's so pale; his skin almost has a bluish pallor to to it. Um, mm-hmm. as bluish uh, robes as well, even though certain um, extreme colors are usually crimson and gold. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, of course, Celatar is there. For his credit, hasn't said a word so far. Sitting, looking onward, not really looking around all that much, just casually. Um, and that monocle at his his eyes, just one of those things you 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 hardly seen an elf need uh, my sort of magnification things. And since he is after all the Utar, you have a sense of that monocle that there's probably more than meets the eye there, as well mm-hmm. as his weird creepy big ears. And so that more than meets heads. his eye. More than meets his eye. Mm-hmm. Topics of discussion go on and on and on. And here's a smattering of some of the most interesting ones for you all, I think. Um, the enemy itself. War host is mostly goblinoids, which including um, bugbears and hobgoblins, also gnolls and, and orcs and even some humans. Mm-hmm. Um, they're making encampments from the, the old holds. If you look at the map here, the, the, the old holds, if you scroll west or east a bit, you can see what are labeled the old holds there. One, two, three, four, five, um, six, technically, in sort of a arc um, just west of the blight east of, of which hill. Um, the scouts that they have 
in the, the in the air and whatnot report that the that they are making encampments from the old holds stretching westward all the way to the tip of the river stretching eastward between Westholm and Harhagen. So if you look at on the map here, I guess you guys can see my thing pinging. Um, Westholm and Harhagen are here and this river that stretches eastward here, they have seen encampments all the way from the, the old hold as far west as this right now. Um, hobgoblins are the uh, leaders in, gen in general. They're well-armored and highly militant, uh, not to be underestimated. Other bases have their own hierarchies, but generally bend to the hobgoblins, if not because of their might, not because of their number, surely, if not because of their might, because of their military prowess. And one of them describes hobgoblins are basically um, gob, you know, a group of goblins that have all of the all of their smarts shoved into one bigger, stronger, smarter, and born for military tactics creature. That's what a a, a hobgoblin is. They are highly organized and highly um um uh, what's another word? Not dependent on organized and regimented. Um, put put some numbers into perspective here. For every twenty or so goblins, there's one bugbear. Bugbears are bigger, sort of hulking things, bigger even than than a hobgoblin. But then they, they almost look humanoid with like fangs and furry tufts and ears, almost like cross between Nerf and a big burly human and like a cat wolf man thing um but they're extremely stealthy um they're often used as stealthy strikers or or, or even assassins despite their larger their larger frame and for every five of those there's about one hobgoblin those are the approximations that the three realms have come to thus far perhaps most importantly the current numbers of the um, Eastern Barbarian, the entire war host overall, they counted every single one of them up that had been marching, have, have a sword and whatnot, or estimated, this is an, es an estimation, therefore it's a pretty wide spectrum, estimated to be in the range of 10,000 to 15,000 total. So if you do that math, if you compare to the previous ones, the West should well outnumber this um, fourfold without even bringing in any, any reserve folks. Remember, the Hobgoblins, or the um, Warhost, has not breached the soft sovereign steps whatsoever. A few skir skirmishes have, such as long ago, the attack on um, Serenak, which Norman is very well aware of, and the, the, um, the orcs in the Pilgrim's Pass after the Legion of the Dead was, was defeated, that crept up, Westworld curled north and then east to a, a attack um, the western flank of the, the first the first legion that was posted up there, but it's not like they marched you know a thousand um, individuals through or or anything. So as far as the numbers are, are are concerned and the defensible position, you guys should be well situated here to crush this. Mm -hmm. Next topic that comes up is um, 
where do the Valinar city-states fall into all of this? They were the allies, and in a sense still are, but let's use past tense, that they were the allies of the West in many ways. Trade was common. When the old holds fell a decade ago, um, <clears throat> when the old holds fell a, a decade ago, it was much due to the Valinar soldiers, military packing up and leaving, heading back home, declaring it a lost cause and going. Uh, when that happened, the likes of um, Simonia, Agaston, Alfheim, losing their main, um, uh, not their main force, but they're definitely their main source of like um, food and, and trade and stuff, right? Because Valinar is much, much closer. When they left, uh, they eventually all trickled away as well. The long trek westward because the old holds were not uh, easy to hold anymore with the numbers of individuals that, that left. Um, ever since then, the city-states of Valinar became distant and even more secluded to the point where trade between the three city-states themselves became fairly minimal. And those are the likes of, of Damas, Haven, and Redwall. You see on the map over there, those are considered the city-states. Uh, Boundguard, which you see in kind of in the, in the center of the east, there was the largest city in that direction. And that fell a long time ago. Um, it's quite near the Blight, it was the center of so much, um, and it fell long even before this, this war. It is essentially, in many ways, it's sort of like Bunheim, but ostensibly without the ghosts and, and stuff, without the demons and ghosts, just a, a ruined wasteland. Imagination holds that probably it is a stronghold for negative forces, but they also are reports that it is a hotly content. It's almost a no man's land because it uh, was always so hotly contested. It is essentially incomplete and utter shambles. So the Valinor city states are, are Damas, Haven, and Redwall. Um, uh, yes. So uh, ever since then, they became distant and even more so to the point where even trade between those three states became minimal. The Lightning Rail still moves supplies soldiers and the occasional passengers that can afford it, but nothing in the, the number that it was before all of this, because these were the first places that the war struck hard over a, a, a decade ago. A big reason why Valinar packed up and left the old holds, their homes are being attacked. So of course, the first thing that you do is you withdraw all of your people from the old holds um, and in the end, they were not dramatically destroyed by any, by, by any means. And many theorized that was a tactical decision on the Easterners' part. Attack um, Haven, Damas, and Redwall with a minor force, and they're going to call back their people out of fear. They can then take the old holds and march where they want to westward. With that said... The city-states themselves may be very large, very well pr protected, both militarily and walls and, and whatnot. But the villages and towns and those squares, uh, less so. 
right? So a lot of death and destruction did happen in those areas that eventually pulled the um, force set, the, the, the old holds back north. So as I said, they were amongst the first places that, that the war struck hard over a decade ago. The Archbuckter conjectures that Damas, Haven, and Redwall should be considered neutral at best at this point and enemies at worst. The likelihood of infiltration by the, the, the enemy there seems high. And if the enemy had the ability to infiltrate the court city within its castle, within its palace, under the very noses of paladins, clerics, and Medani alike, uh, which is something that Aquila for his part does not, you know, wince, does not cry, does not a, not a single tear that rolls down as eagle cause. Um, but it is definitely a, a, a slight at that. But he says if that can happen, then the likelihood of one of these places having an infiltration there seems quite high. And the Archlector's estimation, at least. This spurns the, the, the Archlector Lombas and Eklund, he speaks up to all share their intel about their agents in Valinar. Because of course, Valinar um, Valinar city-states would have agents from the West in them as well, either obvious or less so. They were all instructed to go into hiding. Those that were not summoned back were instructed to go into hiding once the truce was made with the enemy, um, courtesy of Anaxoria, uh, about almost five months prior to this, actually about exactly five months um, prior to the date right now. So as not to raise their ire, but they're still there. They're still reporting. Much like how you all suspect that the crow and whatnot likely has his agents infiltrating the, um, the, the West still during this time of truce, the West has its share of agents still hiding under the uh, under the rugs to the east, dangerous as it may be. The Archlector claims that his sources indicate that Damas has a large project under uh, underway and has had this large project underway for the better part of the last decade. On the direct orders of the young Raja and the Clockwork Accord working in tandem, Shrouded in the utmost of secrecy, even the workers within that entire section of the city, which is cordoned off and has been for, as I said, a decade or so, if not more, even the workers within that section of the city are restricted to their own nearby homes. Speaking of the project's details are punishable by death, and many have been put to the gallows or the sword for such. All his inquisitors have found are two facts. One, Damas in particular, has been spending a tremendous amount of gold on metals, fabrics, and manpower, the fruits of which have yielded them larger blimps and smaller skips that could rival those of House by Randar. Perhaps not the, the gondolas that Randar is so proud of that um, 
perhaps can move without the need of, of hot air and, and whatnot. But even the gondolas do. Even they have blimps attached to, to, to them to provide extra extra lift. And if something goes wrong, it doesn't just plummet straight down like, like, like a rock. It, it floats on the currents more with its blimp wings, but it's powered by the um, heart stones and, and, and by Miranda dragon marks. As you all know, you've written on them plenty of times. The art selector says, um, again, one, Damas is defending a tremendous amount of gold on it, metals, fabrics, manpower, the fruits of which have yielded them larger blimps and smaller skiffs that could rival those of House Grandar. And two, the project has been instructed in all this secrecy has been referred to as the sun's gem by those who were executed for such discussions. Entire docks, sky docks, have been constructed in less than a decade. The half dozen dirigibles coming and going, transporting folk and goods within, within Damas itself and the nearest um, outlying villages and towns and, and whatnot. But also supposedly, um, despite the fact that they're fairly localized vessels, the furthest voyage has been between city-states. The implications here are dangerous for a number of reasons. One, um, <coughs> you imagine if Miranda was in this room right now, he, hearing this, there'd be steam coming out both ears and his, and his head would be spinning. The fucking court edicts are the only thing stopping them from doing this exact same thing. And the disaster that was the um, Sapphire's Argosy uh, rapid descent and crashing but the dream is to have their airships going all over Sermonea, furthermore, between, between the um, um, films. A big reason why the Korth Edicts have really, Lyranders hate them, because they stand to gain so much. And a big reason why House Orion, if you recall way back when you guys were infiltrating and discussing and listening to Minds and the, the um, Tangala, the um, House Orion response for more um, ground tra travel and whatnot, we're looking into Eastern um, uh, collaborations and how to make their own sort of railroad. Exactly. The lightning rail or what whatnot. The competition between those two houses was very, very strong. And now that Orion is very, very censured, um, it's Lyranders looking to take advantage of this, but they're not here right now, so you don't see any steam or fire or fuck them. But the implication that the Valinor city-states may already have something akin to that, they don't have dragon marks, shows one, you don't need this super fancy one-of-a-kind sort of these people to control that, that. And we can do it in between, like outside of our, outside of our city. We can even go to um, our sister cities 200 miles away and back would revolutionize everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the second implication that's dangerous is how could these be used for warfare? If the skies belong to these blimps, these new dirigibles, these gifts, they can not only move forces in the ways that may be difficult to untrack, what could they drop from above? A single stone dropped could be could be tremendous and kill some someone. What else can they have up their sleeves? War at this time is not used to looking up so much. Flying creatures, sure. Flying wizards and fireballs, of course. But those are fairly uncommon things. 
if they have uh, a dozen of these things in operation, you know, there, what else could they have that they're not showing? Again, the implications are danger risk for um, so socially, economically, and possibly for warfare. Lambas calls out the, 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 the arch lector at this time. He says, this information is crucial, your eminence, and we thank you for divulging your secrets. If I may ask though, what happened to the individuals that gathered this intelligence? How old is it now? Galactus sucks at his gums and admits that two of his three agents were captured and killed when sneaking into the Cordondoff facility um, at the, or the, the facility at the heart of the Cordondoff segment of the city that where the Sun's Gem pro project is apparently underway. The third of his agents has yet to be recovered and has not responded to any sort of sendings to him via stone or via not using anything which means he very likely is either dead um, or a pr pr prisoner or potentially keeping his head very low, but more than likely dead at this point in time as, as well, just not confirmed. This was two years ago. And since then, his fourth and final agent has been quietly watching from the outskirts of, of, of Damas in the um, slums for any larger movements, looking for grander scale. Oh my God, a, a triple blimp special has gone. It's got cannons on, you know, that's the sort of thing. No such thing has been, re been reported, but that individual is keeping their head very low, only reporting into the, the, the arch lector via, um, via uh, um, sending stone when the utmost importance comes up. Um, Glock does not send any more over there because does not want to uh, um, have, not that he cares about losses so much, but he already knows that he has played his, his hand. Lombas presses. Oh, so this has nothing to do with the obliteration of the hamlet of Edgewood in, you, in your lands three months ago. And two weeks after that, the destruction of Hannah Ridge's center of commerce. Glockta, the arch lector, looks unimpressed and unflapped, but says, believe it or not, Corna, unrelated. I see that you have your own sources of intelligence. Congratulations. Let's not lie to each other here amongst friends. And he smiles that grotesque smile with his twisted and missing teeth, cracked thin lips. We all have agents in each other's backyards, don't we? It was not our intent to hide the fact that we were attacked during this time of truce by Meteor. The loss of lives were terrible, of course, but the information we received about the enemy's movements in the east were crucial. The king interjects that he put a stop personally to any clandestine operations in the east once he learned about the hamlet and village being attacked by meteor strike. It was then that he understood the importance of this truce and he fully understood the gravity of it 
but he makes it clear that he did not condone or did not even know that there were these clandestine operations happening in the East, but he definitely put a stop to it afterwards. Bombas reveals, well, that's okay, uh, because, because their own agents in Damas found out what the sun's gem is over a, a year ago. An enormous, the word seems to not do it justice, an enormous craft of not wood, like you might think, but stone, not, not even smooth stone, almost looks like it's a chunk of the earth of rock itself, elongated with crenellations and, and a deck to it, holes in it, walkways, and as such. Enormous craft of stone and metal, long and wide, but very long, something remarkably old and large enough for a thousand men or more easily. The sails are massively high and the fins on it, but they look vestigial. There is no way that something like this could possibly float, much less fly, without magic. And it would require an incredible amount of power. Its size is 10 times that of House Thyrbander Sapphire RBC that crashed years ago. And the weight, therefore, would be nearly 80 times the weight of that, that craft, just based on size. If something is, is 10 times the size, the weight, the um, overall dimensions increase eight times that. Not to mention, again, it's not constructed of, of hollow wood, but more or less hollowed out rock. So the true weight may be 10 times even beyond that. This would mean dragon heart stones that they've hacked or a hundred elementals bound into large gems. He looks over at Eklund and says, tell me young Midani, how much would such a number of your heart stones or gem bound elementals go for? Hmm? And Eklund looks at him flatly and says, without emotion, enough to fund the entire Sermonean military for a millennia. And that's without me even picking up a quill to do the calculus. Precisely, Bombas says, it is impossible to imagine that the Falinar city-states would be in possession of such riches nor that they would have constructed such an unwieldy thing themselves. Most likely it is a relic of ancient past and their hopes to make it rise are nowhere near completion. Unless of course your house Larandar has been sharing with them all of their stones and secrets over the past decade. Elspeth says, certainly not. And whatever information you have on house Larandar's dealings in recent history, trust me when I say, that we are well aware of them and we have taken appropriate action. The King of Agarstone speaks up. If there is even a chance that Damas will throw their weight into this war on the enemy's side, utilizing airships of whatever quality and quantity, then we must be prepared to battle in the heavens above. What of your house, Randar? Can the ships be of aerial 
warfare support? Eklund says, it would be unwise, I'm afraid. The number of, of Lyrandars bearing the mark of the storm is not as high currently as it was prior to the attack on our fair city. Removing any significant number of them from the daily duties that they have would lead to a near shutdown of several industries. Luneth Dawnseeker speaks, the Korsalutar, and he says, I am not concerned with floating craft or artifice. The reasons why balloons filled with hot air have not been utilized on the battlefield is because one good ballista shot can fell it. Craft powered by pure arcana are a different matter, but these are even less common and rarely are they large enough to be a significant threat. And these can be dealt with by a small platoon of expert mages or a small platoon supported by expert mages watching the skies. Easier this than throwing all effort into constructing vessels destined for a sharp drop in sudden stop. But it is your gold and resources, not ours. Yeah, I just don't have much to say about that. About that. Um, whether or not House Lair Bandar um, even has the potential to make airships in short order and send them all that way would make a screeching halt of the um, court, cis, court city in a variety of, of ways, violate all whole sorts of things. And Luneth Dawnseeker seems confident enough. Well, if Damas starts send, sending over airships, we'll take care of them. He's unconcerned and unflapped about that. In, a, in, in any case, they all agree that watching the skies is important and keeping an eye on having first respondents to um, having their agents very secretively in Damas, Haven, and Redwall is crucial. So if anything drastic does happen, um, if the sun's gem takes off into the sky or something crazy like that, but like like that, it won't it won't just arrive on the battlefield. It will be a known thing. So for now, unless the option is infiltrate Damas and just dis destroy it, uh, there's nothing else to really do except watch and take precaution. But the news of such a massive stone bound and metal craft is that cannot possibly fly without incredible arcana that looks very, very, very old is something that um, is puzzling to most here. But for you guys in your most recent uh, ventures, uh, maybe it's less so. Maybe it's just a nat natural step. Oh, the giants left their dinghy behind. Well, they were talking about lofting an entire city to, to the, the heavens. Yeah, got to start behind. somewhere. Yep. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, Disney. what of enemy movements in the east? The Cormon there has isolated the location of the Hobgoblin warhost and leadership. And at this, pretty much everybody just looks like, oh, 
Okay. Um, between the blight and the old holds in canyon movements, the war priest, calling herself Maglubiet, commands them from there. Corsalutar speaks again, Luneth delivering his own opinions, edicts. He feels that they could end this war before it begins anew by a concentrated strike force in their very base of operations. A headless snake can only rise so long. This proclamation leads to a solid hour of conversation. So are we saying that we forego the rest of some this this truce? Are you volunteering to go your 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 yourself? We just we just go in, blast them, kill them, and then then go. And others say, why not? They did that to Simonia. Why can't we do, do do the exact same to them? Others are more cautious. Well, regardless, doing that before this truce is done is dangerous. We don't want to incur these sites, dis sites destroyed. And even if we do do that, how do we know that your information is good? Of course, Solitar seems to trust it from his agents, um, where amongst the comment there, the um, mages. And uh, feels pretty confident that they could destroy the base of operations and take care of business, clean up shop. Conversation while this goes on long enough where the, the arch lector or, or the unking um, of Agastan almost in a frustrating sense says, if you could, then why haven't you? Why simply haven't you? And of course, Helitar meets his gaze evenly and says, because what will you offer in return? Should this not be a joint venture? Should we not send a few, you a few, Simonea a few, the Fae States a few? Would that not be the proper way of sealing an alliance? Well, if you have the information, if you have the location, couldn't you teleport right there and be done with this whole thing? Teleportation directly, no. What we've heard and what we've seen would, would require some traversal. But suffice to say, we could get close enough. And then what? Go in and destroy. The others look wary about this, but it does have a, it is very attractive. It's wildly attractive. The idea of just essentially assassinating via stealth or just raw magical power, dropping a bomb. They said, this is the atomic solution. Wipe them out at their base. Drop a bomb on the um, White House, done. But it wouldn't end the war. Um, there would still be battles that need to um, take place, of, of course. But it is very attractive. And the as I said, the conversation about this one topic alone goes on for 
an hour. The ambassador calls for a hiatus, a, a recess, and people ignore him, ringing his, his bell. All sorts of tactics and details are discussed about this. Well, well where and what and whatnot. Of course, Latar does not say where. He is not at liberty to discuss. And besides that, there needs to there needs to be a degree of information has a cost. Would we have a really good idea that the hobgoblins we killed in the garden, one of them was the person pretending to be the like it. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't actually we weren't actually there. True. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. I think the information that you got from the likes of Faniel, Avalok, etc., would support the idea that whoever this female armored hobgoblin was, that was the dragon, which is then, oh, oh so they don't have dragons inside. They have this person that could become a drag dragon and scroll and all that stuff. There's a sort of prevailing theory that that was the hobgoblin war priest. Um, much because these other six hobgoblins deferred to her and would do, do anything to, they were kind of throw, throwing themselves in the way to, to you know, to serve her. Nobody truly knows if that um, was the hobgoblin war priest, um, but it is, I, I would say it is a, a the strongest theory that currently exists if not the war priest her, him herself then surely his or her greatest warrior but again the fact that you guys and very few others know that she had a scroll means that you two the likes of faniel and and those that know about the um, scrolls and whatnot and the power that they hold that's probably what the war priest would you know have and information that goes way back is you guys you know um, with the Eorics in the Pumas Pass were like the reason why Ashugo would follow the um, Eastern um, leadership is because you don't you don't you don't argue with a, a hobgoblin that can turn into a dragon. It's pretty pretty much what he, like, he said. And he was very very strong himself. So again, it's the prevailing theory. But as far as any guarantee, there was no identification tag, no lanyard that you know said I am the, the war priestess, priestess mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yep, that makes sense. So the conversations go on a plenty, and ultimately everybody agrees that they're not going to come to a um, decision on this. But since this decision involves fewer individuals of extreme know-how and intel, it's best to take that offline, essentially. In case they are being watched here, this is not the right place to start discussing the exact who's and when's and how's of such a thing. That can be an even more clandestine gathering of um, leadership and the individuals that might go on such a joint venture, if that is agreed upon. Agarstone, for their part, has tracked movements from the the old holds westward. They're going slow and setting up camps and supply lines for the long haul battle. And and he he asks, if our forces can be marshaled before Therth, what need do we have to adhere to this truth through its completion? 
some look at him with some distaste considering he just got done admitting that though you don't know the details of how he gathered that information it was apparently they were caught and led to an entire hamlet and a village center being destroyed so the crow is worth his um threats but even now the the arch lecturer says why maintain this truce if we can marshal our forces before them there's no point Captain Vivina of the Alfheim um, Anstein Archers says that the only reason an enemy would give for a truce when they are the aggressors is if they do not care about our defenses. We can create the strongest of bulwarks in the sovereign steppes, but if they have some means of flight or spatial translocation, they may strike at our hearts just as easily as we could strike at theirs. Even though she's responding to the arch factor here, you can definitely tell that she's also responding to what the core Salutar was just saying. But specifically after he was done saying his piece, if that makes sense. Her response, while it is a intelligent response to what, what the, the arch factor was saying, it's very much interwoven with what a response could have been to the core Salutar if you read between the lines a bit. Elspeth says, our information suggests that the entire Eastern War host may in fact be merely a tool used by another foe. One that holds great influence and magical strength. The attack on my own home and family proves this. These are not simply goblinoids and orcs and barbarians. They are being led from the shadows by one with an agenda. Valentina Castillo, the brass, hunt, the, the, the brass huntress, imperata of his August Majesty's Third Legion, says, Be that as it may, Your Majesty, it does not mean that we can ignore the threat any more than we could an impending flood. And General Croy of Sermonius says, No. But it does mean that waiting around in our safe canyons and passes within the steps may be precisely what they want us to do. If we want them to feel our sting, we will have to rise from our safe hovels and strike them on their own ground. Essentially, the conversation agrees that while the sovereign steps is the best defense imaginable, right? Like if the West wants to come east, they are, I'm sorry, we you know, must go what they have to go through the sovereign, sovereign steps around, not, I mean, kind of possible, not really over, been discussed, watch the um, skies, hope it doesn't happen. Teleportation, terrifying, of course, in small, small numbers, but almost unthinkable in thousands. Um, common foot soldiers have to march through. But Vivina's point here is, if they're the aggressors, if they wanted a truce and they don't care, they're giving us nine months to defend the most easily defendable places that exist, these canyons. If they're giving us the time to do, do that, it means that they want us to, that we're throwing in all of our, all of our sandbags, all of our spears, all of our forces to hold passes that they might not care about because they only need to march at a few select spots and we've spread out all this all, all this amount. 
But Agriston will come, come back and say, yes, but we're watching their forces. They are a gatherings, gatherings of almost tribal pl- platoon companies, of gob- goblinoids and gnolls and orcs and, and inhumans. They are traveling in small companies of 100 to 500. They are spread out as much, if not far more than, than we are. We have defensible locations. We can't give those up. The argument goes back and forth. We're not saying give them up. We're saying if we bolster everything in those spots, then we will have nobody to fight on the actual front. And Croy slams his fist on the table and says, as I say, if we want them to feel our sting, we have to lift ourselves from the sand where, where we hide. So what are the most important defensible locations and where can we strike back at them? Um, which we'll get to that. The, the, the last thing before that is Simonea Eklund reports that they have been well, they have been watching movements even further east of the blight. If you scroll far eastward on the map, you get that entire realm over there. You see that just east of the um, blight there, where Starpoint. Um, mm-hmm. Kilheim, Starbun, and Wood, and whatnot. Remember, that is not Soljuk. Soljuk, you have to you have to scroll north and far east. You can just barely see on the on the the northeastern corner of, of the map. But that area th- there is a is a realm that is not much is known about that as far as as far as Westerners are concerned. But um, Eklund reports that Serbian ambassadors went there and have been there for some time. And they're trying to parlay with the folks of Star, Star Point. What information do you have? What forces can you muster to attack the enemy and flank them from the side? The talks were going well for a couple, for a, a several days, weeks perhaps even. But then the ambassador for, from Sermonea was assassinated in Star Point. Dagger piercing through his heart with a parchment betwixt that simply said, we are watching. Stay out of this conflict and the rest of your people will be spared. And I should specify, I apologize. It was the uh, ambassador from Sermonia was killed, but this note was on the, um, the um, um, vizier of that location. So a higher up government official for Starpoint was killed with the dagger through his, his heart and the pardon saying, we are watching, stay out of this conflict and the rest of your people will be spared. When that happened, they de- declined any offer of camaraderie with, with the, the West and shut their, their borders. They know the threat exists. They know the blight's not a nice place. They know hobgoblins and whatnot and all that. But they also know that their eyes are firmly westward right now. And they have no need nor desire to draw their ire, especially when their own vizier, right hand of the, the leadership that there can be killed in his own bedchambers. Then... Go ahead. Someone said that. Someone's going to say something. Mm. Okay. 
Then we get down to key locations to defend and attack. Um, I'll go fairly quickly here. From Sermonea, there is a pass through the sovereign steps, which um, Norwin knows of in particular here, called the Twisting Maw. It is just east of Winwood. If you see Winwood on the map, there, just northeast of Gatesill, Greensill. It is one of the largest three passes uh, um, that go through, uh, through the um, sovereign steps. Remember, Pilgrim's Pass is, is an exception in that you can get through it, but it's very, very tough. Most passes that, that exist are almost impossible for folks to um, get through in any sort of capacity. So the ones that are big enough to march people through or have Easy, relatively easy commerce, though dangerous as, as it may be, those are, are named and highly defended and regulated pathways. Um, so this is one of three. Um, the purple worm sighting several months ago, but nothing has been found lately, not even when Norwin and Eskel were in the area. Um, Elspeth would defer to um, Norwin if he has anything to add about the purple worm um, you know, hunt, if, if, if you will. Which, if you recall, you went there, you looked, you didn't find it, and then, then you spent most of your time there um, helping walls. building walls and crenellations, <laughs> turning this to this to mud, that to that, mm -hmm. always keeping it like just in case the tax I'll be here before being called back. Is there anything that you would like to add to this whole place while you're while you're wearing your dress or um, um, again, we uh, never no. we never really did that. So it's fine if, if you're if your answer yeah. is no, I'll inform them on what may, it makes sense for inform them. That's totally fine. Yeah, I mean, as much as I I would know, I mean, my yeah, yeah. So at the time you were there it had been months since the last sighting the um signs of like smooth uh, hollowed out earth um were growing were growing old and stale as well you never even had a tremor so mm -hmm. unfortunately that means the thing with purple worms is they could be, be, be back any second but right now it is uh not a threat no. yeah just that we're watching it and then if it reappears that we'll take care of it mm -hmm. even so even with the possible threat of a purple worm around there, it is one, one of the most crucial passes to keep um, and an inherent danger always. The Twisting Maw Pass just east of Winwood is probably one of Sermonea's three primary pathways to go from east to from, sorry, from west to east. Um, second one, Shallow Stream. Shallow Stream is another pass, um, one of the other um, two. This one's only about 30 yards wide at any spot, but it's as straight as they come in the um, steps. Even the untwisting gnaw is called as such because it twists and turns around. It's wide enough you can march an entire battalion through, but it twists and turns and it takes a while. Shallow Stream is comparatively quite narrow, like 30 30 yards is still quite wide, though. I mean, compared to what you guys were used to in the Pilgrim's Pass. Uh, yeah, exactly. But uh, um, it, it's still it's straight, which means it's short. You can you can march people through quick quickly, even more quickly than the twisting mob, though in smaller numbers. Mm 
Once upon a time, there must have been a powerful river to carve such a trough, hence why it's called Shout Shout Stream, but now it's hardly more than a trickle. Whatever seismic activity happened hundreds of years ago changed the landscape that whatever carved it out has been gone. Um, it's difficult to move wagons and beasts burden through it, but good fast path for battalion on foot and some horse, some cavalry can make its way through an important place to def defend. And three is- one second. Yes, go ahead. Did they say where that is? That on one, no, that one would be um, somewhere around east of, of Wolf Sill, about southeast okay. of Wolf Sill. It and um, Twisting Ma are not entirely that far from each other, but remember, each square of the map is like 62 and a half miles, right? So if they're 100 miles apart, you might, might as well be in a different state, at least for, mm -hmm. you don't have cars again, you gotta remember, so distance means a lot. Good question though, thank, hey, thank you. Um, and the third is Carnassus Keep. This is an old ruin east of Solhagen. If you look on the map just east of Wolfsill, you see Solhagen. And then there's a copse, or that, there's that forest to the right of it. This was once a frontier for, for Sirmene and expansion eastward. It was sacked and burned years ago, as was essentially every other Western influence in the, uh, in the east, minus the um, three Dawn cities of Soul Hagen, Harkin, and West Home, which you guys will remember on the night of Long Shash, Long Shash that y'all missed, West Home and Harhagen were pretty much um, routed via orc and gob um, gnoll and hobgoblins and dragons, if you recall that, that whole story. But, anyways, um, General, General Croy believes this would be the optimal location to mount an advanced defensive. Or offensive force. He seems to have changed his mind in mid-sentence, and he notice him sort of um, fiddling with these glasses that he's been been wearing. He wears these glasses. You've never seen him wear them in the um, uh, in the court city. Annie, all, all the times that you've seen him trying anything else but then and whatnot. But he's got these big, thick rimmed glasses that he's using, and he's reading things things with 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 them. And you took them as, oh, he must have bad eyesight, but he needs them to read stuff. Um, and whenever there's a break, he takes them them off. Um, but right here, he sort of adjusts them a bit and is looking over. He's at that um, central tab table, right, where the maps are. He's up there with some other John. General, some tile playing um, um, a Latin rain when he putting his finger right where Carnassus Keep is again, east of Solhagen, a hundred or so miles on the eastern edge of that forest there. And he was saying, I believe an optimal location to mount an advanced defensive would be here at Carnassus Keep, um, offensive force. <clears throat> Our Information suggests a large number of, of goblinoid troops within Carnassus's old keep, likely living off rats and stagnant rainwater, the, the devils. Possibly they plan on being a surprise to Solhagen due west, likely as reinforcements to a smaller force, so we underestimate them, 
and they could move under cover of night through the dense forest at a tricky bastards. I say we strike while the iron is cool and brittle, shatter the surprise with our own, and take it for ourselves. Mount an offense so we have the optimal defense. Others seem to agree. If they if they know that this keep is is a den of goblin troops, and he doesn't say where he gets his information from, but frankly, nobody really is. You know, you just trust. I have scouts. I have I have spies. I have this some stuff um, that routing them, taking them by force before they can before they can 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 act uh, will leave you with the um, with the, with the old burned out keep as as a base. Instead, Agriston's next. Westholm and Harhaim. And Har hey, you've heard you've heard those names before very recently. These are obvious, but crucial. These are by far the largest settlements that they have nearest the eastern side of the sovereign steps, with easy access through Anatar's Rift, the third largest pass that exists on the entire service of steps that's been, that's been mapped out. Mm-hmm. What was that? Anatar's Rift. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's pr- pretty much right in between um, Westholm and, and, Har- and Hardhagen, kind of merge them and go left a bit um, um, westward. Imagine it's somewhere over in that in that way. This is not a straight pass like a shallow stream. It is more akin to tw- twisting maw um, where it takes some time to get through. It's dangerous, as always, but it is large. The other two major passes are very well pr- protected. The enemy will not be charging toward those with large number. Rather, the Arch, the Artai Ar- Ar- Lang believes it is the smaller passes that we know little about that could be traversed more easily by Garin kind. So obviously Westholm and Harhagen were already fucked up once um, and then they were almost entirely abandoned. And then when the truce happened, they sort of reversed that. The um, Easterners went, they left, and then these folks came and are kind of camping around that. When the truce is done or even be- before that, must take those and, and, hold, and hold them carefully. And very obviously, you can't let those fall. They're going to be the major base of, of operation. That and Solhag itself. Hence why um, Karnassus Keep is such an important location because it is a first bastion of defense against um, attacks on Solhag itself. Number two for Eggstrom, or three, if you count Arbus Holman, Hargan, and several things, Pilgrim's Pass. What's that? Pilgrim's Pass is just one such of these smaller passes previously being discussed. And while it is not appropriate for an entire legion to pass through, it is more than enough for a few small platoons that know the path. More importantly, it must be held. Recently, the Inquisition and Third Legion, under the Brass Huntress here, worked together to remove the orc filth that were holding the Eastern half. So it is open for their use and defense. 
It is a good staging ground for offensive strikes, just as the orcs swept west and northward to flank and poison the first to first legion a few years ago, and they swept east and southward to attack Westholm on the night of Long Shadow's blast. Your elite forces could do the same. You're not going to march a legion through it, but you can march a hundred good, strong warriors through. Cavalry, don't even try it. Um, mages and, and good archers and such, you can flank them in, in that, that way and make, make good, good use of that pass. At this time, there would be a deference to the likes of those who would um, be familiar with, with that, but not called by Tai Lang or, or Captain um, um, Vivina or the Archlector or, or, or whatnot, but rather Elspeth says, well, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I do believe that we have one such expert here. Gesturing to Nigo, who's way in the back of the room right now, lounging against the um, back, back wall, watching, kind of fiddling with, with, with his, his claws a bit. Eh? Is that? Ah, yes, of course. Uh, Pilgrim's Pass. Great place. Re recommend it. The summer, winter, fall. Not in spring, though. <laughs> uh, the main will just be uh, no, but in all the seriousness, and he'll go on and, and explain what the pass looks like, um, um, very much like what you guys could could, could 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 also do. But he has had longer time; he has traversed it multiple times um, and mm -hmm. lived there. And he'll explain that he was part of a force that mounted the, um, de the defense over the, over there and what to expect. Um, the arch lector, or, um, the, the, the the brass huntress, will inform that since the um loss of the legion of the dead and the exiling of those orcs and elim elimination of them her third legion um troops of them a fraction of them have taken it and inigo says oh is that so uh how far have you gone through yeah have you made it all the way all the way up did, did, did you make it all the way down did, 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 did you um, jump did you go and he just begins to go up all these things and she's like We've made it far enough to ensure that none can make their way westward without us knowing. Ah, of course. So you are in a, you are in a position to be a stopper on a twisted bottle. Wonderful. You know that nothing can come out, but but you sure as hell do not know where the alcohol is. If you want help with that, not a big not a big fan of the place, as I said. But there's certain maps that, that, that can be, be drafted for this purpose. Eh? There's also a few other pe people I, I know of that could be very, very helpful when it comes to such things. But uh, well, we can take, take that, as you say, uh, offline. The Arch Lector gives you a look, Annie, knowing exactly what he's referring to. to and uh, Elspeth says, very well, thank you. Inigo of the Grave Walkers Guild. Would you be? Annie's just. Annie's just sitting there, confused as to what offline is. I know. I'm intentionally using it because being on a Zoom meeting right now makes me feel like I'm at work, so I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Let's That's take that. Let's ta table that. Let's table that and take it offline. Let's mm -hmm. take it offline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. 
um, Elspeth says, uh, Inigo of the Grape Walkers. The Grape Walker Guildhall, um, few in few in number, but staunch, strong arms. <clears throat> Would they be willing to aid in this war efforts? If the pass is most apt for those of few in uh, in number, but great of of strength for stealthy reconnaissance or um, strikes in the in the night flanking as such, and you have the experience. In Inigo says, "Ah, uh, let's discuss that at another time. I'd like to check with with my comrades and colleagues. You see, and he'll smile as a canine uh, or his cat like can't." Canines, he smiles, the little things. Uh, giving her look. She says, as you will. It would be good to know in what way we could use Pilgrim's Pass. The king says, excuse me, last I checked, Pilgrim's Pass was in Agostonian territory. Yes? Of course, but the Grave Walker Guildhall is an independent force. They may be located in in your heimat, but um, I have close ties with with them. I would hope that they could broker, could be a sort of brokerage between our forces, and again be used as a pincer maneuver in such ways. If the decision is made to do that, I believe the point that Master Nigo was making is simply that it is good that you are making sure that Pokemon's Pass is is not going to be a flood of Null or orc kind, but if we are not using it optimally, we should seek to remedy that in some way, shape, or form. Inigo says, It should be clear about this. Uh, it, even for me, it is a very, very dangerous journey. It is not a thing that can simply be mapped out and you march it. It takes time and people will die. So if we want to utilize that. Let's do so with the utmost aplomb. Make sure we know exactly what we're getting ourselves into. Eh? Make sure it's worth the, the risk. And they all nod in, in agreement of that. And the last one is Hesgard. If you look south of the Dome of the Starry Lady, you'll see a large city there called Hausgard, one of the Don cities. This is an unknown entity for Agrestone. This city is neither a part of the Valinar city-states, nor is it a part of Agrestone. It has been independent and well-defended for as long as Valangard itself. If the barbarians strike there, so be it, frankly. No loss on the sides of the west. If they gain Hellsgar as a base of operation or an, an ally host for bid, that could turn the tide on movements in, in the region south of, of Oracle Lake, which is still the, as you can tell from the pic picture, the dominant way to march 10,000 troops west to east is south of Oracle Lake down those switchbacks that way. It is the single largest pass that exists through the entire Sovereign Steps, obviously not including the far northern pass. So. It is a very strategically important location. And that's where the first 
Zulu Legion has been stationed for the better part of a decade, purely as a defensive and occasionally offensive force. But if Hell's Guard is take, taken or if they begin to march a large sum of, of their troops, their, their human, elven, dwarven, whatnot troops, uh, that could be an unexpected headache. So they're keeping very close eye on that, both outside and inside. If wink, wink, nudge, nudge from, from the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. And finally, Alfheim. They um, will say that Latimer speaks a bit. Um, Alfheim does not directly butt against the um, sovereign steps. Their border borders technically do not even include the likes of Greensill, Goldsill, Wolfsill, Hussill, and, and, and such. They are their forest, minus the moon wall, which is why it's a big point of. That's a big deal for them, you know, but that forest. So Alfheim does not even butt up against, against that. For them, defensible locations, most important defensible locations, they'll defer to their allies for this taking into account that they have zero intent on leaving their lands open to attack, which is obvious because nor is Sermonea or Agastone. No one's like, let's march all of our troops straight east. Yay. Um, everyone's like, yeah, we need to defend the pass pass. We need, we need to strike east. We also need to need to have an enormous amount in our, our own homelands in case they suddenly pop through a bunch of fucking ships that we didn't ever expect on the southern border, which is another thing I didn't mention that Sermonet is very, very concerned about is ships that could go from the Ariandai and South Shore make their way around Drakengarden, Hildheim to Sermonea. Mm-hmm. And I should, I should mention amongst all of this, while the Chancellor and the Fae States are fairly quiet, you can kind of sense the palpable reason why they wanted to be a part. They offered to host this sort of summer thing. Because look at where they're located. If, mm-hmm. the, if the enemy comes southwestward and they do get past Drakengard, Eldheim, they're going to be the first to be, be attacked. Furthermore, if ships are a thing, if the enemy starts coming in mass from Yandai via um, boatcraft, most logical places they're going to attack are again Drakengard, Eldheim, or if they want to really hit hard, they'll land right at Hammersill or Sunsill and just go to fucking town. Mm-hmm. So those two cities do have use of can- cannons, though, um, arcane cannons, just like Gatesill. But even so, it is it is a fear. There's no indication whatsoever that the enemy has any source of massive fleet of ships. If that's true, then they're, then then what the fuck? You know, no scouts have seen that. But it is very much a possibility that exists almost un- uniquely for the face states and Sim and Ham both. But mm-hmm. back back to what our good friend um 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 in Alfheim says. The Corsel Hutar speaks up and says he disagrees with Elspeth and her father who says, who are common, same as Enelspeth said in this, in this meeting as well, that wars are won on parchment and scroll. Wars are won by, by these small squares, circles, X's and triangles and arrows far, bef- far before they're won on the battlefield itself. Essentially saying that good tactics make up for 
location or less pay people and one. It was a common saying of the ash, the, the ash raven. The Corsellatard disagrees with her, her, her father and her right here. And he says, frankly, in this age, war is not won by the masses, but by the few. We are the few. There's a debate now about what level of force is appropriate against these barbarians. Several spells, such as Meteor Swarm, were classified as war crimes in the Apoxis Accord during the Treaty of Enaruthus in the year 853. And later, this was expanded to include Valinar in 1129. The few unlawful uses of this spell in wartime um, um, since those treaties, starting with King Apoxus of Agastone himself, were dealt with by agreed upon sanctions and de deterrence. Essentially, this is the R equivalent to nuclear standoff. If everybody, and I mean, it's very hard to you know, you know, use, but these, there are some spells that are declared as war crimes. If you use this, like, don't use this. Another example is cloud kill. For one minute, this cloud this of noxious fumes just crawls across the ground. It just moves through a force. Um, it can kill a lot of folks just like that. And the most commonly known example is Circle of Death. Um, just so you know, Circle of Death is the same amount of damage as, as Fireball, but it has three times the radius. So 120 feet the diameter. If you do the number on how many people that encompasses, it's an enormous amount. That spell is um, Fireball and Lightning Bolt, which are the two most powerful, um, commonly used quote unquote spells for warfare are not, not considered war crimes. The likes of Circle of Death, something that could just in a snap eliminate such a massive amount of people. And it is a necromancy spell also with that too. Things like the spell Animate Dead, for example, is, consist, is considered a war crime as, as well. So there are spells that are known but are not used in wartime. Meteor Swarm is the most severe and egregious example of that. So Luneth is asking, the Apoxis Accords during the Treaty of Elaruthus, many, many hundreds of, uh, of years ago established these as unlawful spells to use as war crimes. But now that the enemy has levied such warfare upon our own lands, shall we reply in kind? I say again, one he holds up a long elven, elven finger. One calculated strike can end a battle before the first charge, or indeed a war before it even begins. Agastonian king shifts in his seat here and says, how many individuals are even capable of such spellcraft that exist in this world? Coronel Rivalina says, 
I'm quite sure that's impossible to, to, to say, Your Majesty. And if any of us knew the answer, I'm equally sure that that would be considered privileged in for at least six, Bhumnath says, including myself that I know personally between all the realms. Not all serve our realms, but if they could be swayed toward our cause, at least six. There's a lot of a hubbub about, about that. When this guy talks, it's always some fuzzy shit. Um, previously, it was, why are we fighting a war? Why don't we just go there, kill them, be done with, with it? I'm strong enough, let's just fucking go. And now he's saying, are we going to adhere to the same laws that we hold ourselves to with those of the East? A lot of conversations spurned from us. And though people aren't saying it directly, you both can, can get a very clear tactile sense of the fear here. You make an exception to the Apoxis Accords, which, which, which is not we won't use these spells against each, against, each, against each other. It basically rules them unlawful for any sort of war, of, of war whatsoever. Carte blanche across the, across the board. Much like the Corthedics, if you lift these sort of apoxis uh, um, accord things, does that make a loophole? What's then stopping Alfheim from raining meteors upon Silwood? And if the Corsellutar really has five other friends, he says, whether they're in Alfheim or otherwise, that he believes could do that, what if, what if they all just come? How powerful is the Cormac there after all? We all know they have the most number of mages. Nobody knows how strong they really, they really are. There's an air of fear. It's excitement. It's a, wow, we could really destroy us. But you can tell the generals, even the um, kings and queens and, and, and whatnot here, are used to talking about boots on the ground, spears in hand. Mages to them are folks that can do a single fireball and, you know, yeah, we defeated that iron flank. Now crush them up with our cavalry. Or they make domes of impenetrable force you can sleep in at night, or they create food, or they, they heal what they touch. They, they make um, water safe for drinking. They don't think about mages in the sense of a nuclear warhead. They think, they think of them as snipers, not bomb droppers in that, in that capacity. So this is very contentious stuff. And you can see that the debate could go long here. The ambassador Laguardas has to sort of call a after a, after a half hour has to call a a memorial a, a, a um, pause on this conversation and this conversation again declaring that if this is such a conversation that involves the minor few then perhaps it's best taken offline off play line um at that time with those individuals and Luneth shrugs and says as you say you're not sure what his deal is. He's just throwing on his weight for whatever reason, or is he just very matter of fact? Just, just go, done with it. How powerful is this motherfucker? And then Luneth, um, and then Luneth drops uh, a different sort of bomb. And he says, if, if I may have the floor briefly. Everyone's quieter and watches him as he sits cross-legged in his chair, hands steepled before him. 
I'll be quite frank. I request that any of you in possession of or has information pertaining to the locations of the Articles of Creation speak now. Nobody speaks, of course. And he says, there was an elven individual of Alfheim who held an item of great power. You, some of you here may know his name, others of you may not. Names are unimportant. What is important here is I have known for a hundred more years what he has held. And though I did not like this fact, I also acknowledge that it was gifted to him. He was powerful before being granted such a boon and became ever more powerful after receiving it. Because of this, I deemed it worthwhile to simply watch and track and allow this. However, that individual was killed. That object taken from his corpse. If you do not know of what I speak right now, don't put another thought towards it. If you do know what I'm speaking of when I say articles of creation, hammers and anvil of the gods and whatnot, if you know the elven individual of which I speak, and now his eyes are looking around through his monocle, almost meeting everyone's eyes ever so briefly as he says this. Speak now. I promise you a swift end to this war. If I'm in possession of one or even better, two or three of these articles. Unfortunately, that was the only one I was aware of. And now I find myself regretting that I did not take it for myself when I had the opportunity. But in times of war like this, and as I've said, I believe that this war will be won by the few, not the many. I will throw my considerable weight into the ring as they say, but I will need one of these. Grant me two, grant me three, and I will see an end to this swiftly with minimal casualties. Your armies can stay within their holes, within their chasms, within their safety. I would like to roll an insight check. Gordon? Yep. I think that's wise. Thirty-one. Shit. Whoa. Oh my god, natural twenty. That's a nat twent. Wow. Mm-hmm. Too bad he has a plus twenty. <laughs> 
So what, what were you trying to eke out or suss out as you were examining his demeanor, his words, what he's saying? I'll give you, I, I'm not being specific. I'm not going to like omit stuff. I, I want to make sure I'm giving you an answer that is what you're looking for. So what were you trying to eke out of this? I guess mainly discern the tone. Like, is it a, I will end it for us or mm. i will end it for you and like are you who you say you are understood type of thing yes frankly with somebody like this you've never met before who clearly commands power and the respect that it requires just by the title and whatnot impossible to say who this motherfucker is it, it like is and what he really has to say what are his ultimate motives and, and, and what but you would estimate he's hundreds of years old for sure he might be far older, older than he even looks if morden can and can, can be said 100, 100 years and looks human who knows how old this guy who knows how powerful he truly is but what you're really trying to assess is oh fuck is this guy trying to find these things and he's just going to drop a bomb on us? He's talking about meteor swarms. He's talk, talking about having friends in, in high place. He knows about these, you know, scrolls. Oh, fuck. He's dropping that knowledge right here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. with a 31, I will say that I don't know if it's a relief or not. Probably a bit, bit of a relief for you, but you don't get a sense that he is the crow in disguise. You don't get a sense he's even working for the crow. It was a clever wordplay that he could have meant I'll end this war and really meant I'll destroy all you motherfuckers. Um, and then war is done. Stay true to my word. Great. But you don't get that sense. You get the sense that this is a very powerful, very pretty old and very matter of fact indiv- individual that reached the core salutar t- title at a time of war knew who fire song was knew what he had and is saying if that whelp could have that and be as powerful as he was if i had one or more of these what heights can i reach so honestly, I guess I'd say, long story short, you don't sense a lie from him. You don't sense an immediate threat. You don't sense that he's trying to trick you. But there is definitely an undercurrent of, it's a little bit scary to, th- to think about that. It's scary enough give, giving it to Morden Kanan, but at least you know what he, you might know what he wanted to, 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 to do with it. Um, but this guy, maybe he's, the best elf ever, you know, and he'll take these scrolls and do great, and do great things, change the, the world for it. With a role that high, I will say the fact that he specifically said or two or three is um, an interesting point. Because as far as you know, very, very few individuals have wielded more than one. And those that did ended up you know, like the Raven Queen no longer exists. They blast themselves into oblivion and, and, and whatnot. You, you wonder, would he, is he offering himself for that? Does, does, he, does he even know the power of which he speaks? Would he be willing to sacrifice himself to redig the blight anew, but four times wider and deep deeper? Or 
what would he do with with that? And no amount of role will will tell you his ultimate motives there. But that's the sense that yeah, you get. He's being truthful with what he's saying. I would say to him then, mm -hmm. if somebody did have these articles, don't you think they'd already be using them? He will look over at you as all eyes shift toward toward Annie. And he says, no, I don't. Because I believe that is precisely the purpose of those that hold these implements. Is that they are meant to be kept safe. They are meant to be kept secret. And they are meant to be used only in the most direst of needs. That is the belief held by the elf of whom I speak. And I believe you are familiar with this individual. Are you not voice of the crown, Anaxoria Ahura? I am, and I'm also familiar with who took what you're speaking of. I believe that those charged with these implements are also charged with the command of not utilizing them. I believe that is folly. I believe that, I, that we can save a tremendous amount of life and time by consolidating power in the very few. I am offering myself to be the very few, powerful as I am already, and make no mistake, I am. These are implements that could further even that. Also says, well, be that as it may, Corsas, Corsas, Salutar, Luneth, Dawnseeker, Ceremonia is not in possession of such a thing. At least not within the, the crown's knowledge or purview. If knowledge of such a thing comes to us, we may reach out when the time is, is right. Luneth just looks at you and Annie, kind of not even looking at, at, at Elspeth as she speaks. And he says, do you concur with this? Young one. I concur. We have none in our possession. I know where two are, but it's with our enemy. This, that sends the room into movement. People begin shifting. Whispers go. Lumineth sits back watches as the ripples of what you just said infect everyone. The conversation suddenly shifts dramatically from, from generals and captains saying, why are we marching a thousand troops? You're saying that there is these mad magical things that can do stuff? Like, give us more information. All of a sudden there's cries and demands for information. What are you talking about? Stop being mis mis mysterious. All these... People, this went from a, a discussion about feet on feet on the ground, spears in hand, where to, to defend to what's the point of any of it? 
Who cares? You're sin. You, you, you can go end this war. Go end it. How many mothers and fathers will you keep alive from the children? How many orphans will you prevent? It is your goddamn right to get these things in the hands of those that can take them and end this. Why would you say silent about such a thing? It's not just, it's not at, at you, but by some is, but it's at everyone. All of a sudden, it all goes that the ambassador's calling for, for order, ringing his bell and, and whatnot. Luneth just sits there amongst the chaos. And the chancellor eventually stands and bells the top of his, of his lungs. Order! The gravel dies, dies down a bit, and he stands there as calm as he was beforehand, though a bit pink in the, in, in the, the cheeks, and says, <clears throat> I believe you're having this summit here so that we may proctor and make sure that things are done appropriately. The Alfheim delegates have had the floor, and that, that was the last of the three. I believe it is time for a longer recess before final discussions are had and the conclusion of the summit. Sits back, sits back down, and Ambassador LaGuardia says, Here you hear you, as, as I was saying, um, um, uh, uh, 45 minute long recess will take place at this point. And then final calls for words and whatnot after that, after that, before this will be concluded. And as you all look out the great windows in this council chamber, you see that dark is indeed nearing very closely here. Hours, eight hours, nine hours. By the time you guys go, a full 10 to 10 and a half hours will have transpired. During the recess, everybody breaks apart. I'll switch back to the app here. Folks break apart. Conversations are had. People come and go. Most leave you alone, Annie. Uh, uh, most don't know you all that well, except for those from Sermonia. Um, Northern people don't really know who you are all that all that much, per se. Um, but there's definitely a lot of whispering and people going outside to chat, folks going up these Stairs to um, dial fog and and what whatnot. Um, a bit more of a scramble here as <coughs> people are talking how to digest this information. And many folks call calling for doesn't change a single thing, you guys. It's just magic men and their fucking sticks and their their you know capes and their fucking carpets. Doesn't change the fact that wars are won by men with swords. That is how wars are won. Doesn't matter what 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 he our job is here, you know. So there's all all of, of that sort of discussion as as well. <coughs> With that said, what would you two like to to do? You have forty five minutes or so here to recess to chat with whoever you choose to do whatever you choose to, um, before we we wrap up this. Well, no one would go over to Anaxoria. Um, well, that's out of the bag. Do well, we think that during this recess we should talk with the Corsa Lutar and try to get on the same page as quickly as possible? Probably. I Not just assumed he would already have that information. Well, I mean, 
Yes, but at least about what we're going to divulge to everyone else who's now going to ask about them. Yes, and that, that wasn't, would be a good thing. That's not on you, that's on the people who have a lot of power and like to wag the dicks around. So, you know, as much as mine is right now. You look beautiful, stunning. Thank you. Yes, let's go talk to your elf friends. Yeah, let's go talk to the most powerful mage in the known world while I'm wearing a dress. Snick walks over. Who's Nick? Presnick? Presnick. Okay. And he, which he was not far. And he, and he says, excuse me, may I interrupt briefly? Of course, Kresnik. The, the, the Arch Lecturer would like a word with both of, of you in, in private, please. Right. Of course. Comes over, takes, takes the back <clears throat> of the Arch Lecturer's chair and will wheel him outside. Do you two follow suit? Yep. Alcris, or I'm sorry, Hecklin will say in your mind, in, in your mind, Annie, via just a message spell, be careful as he sees you moving with the, the arch doctor outside. You can reply to, the, to that spell if you, you choose to. <laughs> I'll say always. <clears throat> I want to be with you and make believe. I mean, so. <clears throat> so this is just a general map of the outside. It'll clear, clear it for me. It's still just still fuzzy. It is dark. It is dusk now at this point. So it's not hyper accurate. Um, you do see that that people are still milling about, though it's quite few in number and such. Um, you are built about 40, 50 feet um, toward the beach area. So if you're zooming up on the map and whatnot, you sort of go, no, actually, no, you, you go more southward, more into the city itself. And it's just at first a casual stroll. And then you reach a garden, a nice little area where there's benches to um, sit, a water fountain at display. You're not sure there's magic or engineering work here, but the water play is very, very beautiful there's small arcane uh, there's three continual um the, um flames that you imagine are gate sill sun sill and hairsill um of different colors where the where the water makes a beautiful dis- display off of the um flickering continual flame magical candle light um, fortunately i should say in the dusk though there's still enough of the sun and burgeoning moon and stars to give light if if not in addition to this place Presnick wheels the, the arch lecture up next to a bench um or not next to but it's say in front of a bench and the arch lecture will simply gesture to the bench mm-hmm. take a seat i'll sit be on the eye level i guess Presnick will turn him to face you and it's you three and Kresnik kind of looming above and behind. Um, and the arch lector will say, that to be quite enough, Kresnik, if you will. Kresnik, which he can't, Arthur can see, but you guys kind of see him especially. He's kind of like, there's a moment where the facade breaks a bit and he's like, <laughs> what the fuck? And then Kresnik himself says, 
course. Few minutes, and he just turns on his heel and walks to the opposite side of the um, park. Turns and sits down at a bench and opens his book as if to read that. He's also furtively looking about at all times, so it's not a super great dis- great disguise. But he is about 20, 20 feet from you or so. So if you keep your voices low, may not be not may not be overheard. The arch lector leans things forward in his. We wheeled chair. Well done. Quite the buzz. Yeah, I need to of... work on that. I don't care. Well, no, that's not entirely true. I do care. That was dangerous to do. But I'm not here to scold you. I am here to ask you a question. What is most important? to you all. Protecting your realm, protecting all the realms, protecting the world itself. How very noble of you all. But I know what few others do, thanks to your own admission about these scrolls, these articles and whatnot. That was privileged information. But now that the cat is out of the bag, I also know that a primary driver for you, pointing to you two in, with two fingers, two gnarled, bro- gnarled bro- broken fingers, primary driver for you is gathering these implements so that our true enemy cannot have them. Yes? True. Can we all at least agree that protecting your realm, protecting our realm, protecting the world, protecting those that you love, whatever noble deed you have in mind is reliant, at least in your own definition, to making sure these implements stay out of the hands of the enemy. Again. Agreed. Agreed. Very good. A noble goal to gather such things, but not to utilize them yourselves, but rather hide them away. I do have your assurances. Assurances? That's hard to say. I have your assurances that it is hidden and protected at all costs, yes? Yes. Yes. As I say, a noble goal that you both have to hide them rather than utilize Archlector, are you going to suggest that we use it? No. I'm not. Then get to the point. Well, as for me, I can see the import of keeping these scrolls from the hands of degenerates and not just Easterners. There are others that could use such power to bring down the foundations around us. One such as this new Korth Lutar. An elf like Luneth Domfeeker is the last person who should have such a thing. His power is plenty great enough. And neither with the power, but the power will balance the scales. Giving it to him will tip them inexorably. Mm-hmm. He throws his power around like a fat man's 
girth, knocking over everyone in his path. How he attained the title of Korthotarath beyond me, especially so quickly considering elven politics. But this is what worries me. Who knows who he has under his big magical thumb in Alfheim and elsewhere. Make no mistake, my eyes do not have the luxury of facing eastward at all times. I must be watching our southern and northern borders as well as our own flank in the Runworld and the Glitterwood Isle and the northern frontier. Enemies can and will come after we cross these easterners. As for Luneth, he has played his cards wide and open in the hope that this earns him the trust of one who might hold such a thing. So tell me this. Will you be delivering yours to him on a silver platter? Or are you keeping no. your cards closer to your chest like I will? No? No. I don't trust him. I don't know him. We have it hidden away in a trusted place. And the fact that he brought up having two or three, does he even know what that would do to him? I don't even know what that would do to him. Exactly. And that's why I don't trust him. Men who are that thirsty for power often don't yeah. deserve it. It is always concerning when somebody who seems to be at the pinnacle seeks higher grounds. Well, as I say, an opportunity to balance the scales, yes? You, my dear, asked me to come to you if I had a business proposition, did you not? Just yeah. hours ago? Mm -hmm. Coincidentally, you were asking about that mug. And have you learned anything about that mug? Yes. And I know from the stories that both that you have told, looking at both of, of you and your dwarven companion, I know where that mug comes from. You spilled all of the beans, as they say. With that knowledge and the mug in my hands, we have garnered new intelligence. No or new, sorry. New. new intelligence. All right. Because of this, he grits his teeth a bit, those that he has in his gummy, gummy mouth and sucks his again spot and says, it may behoove us to endeavor a joint venture. There will be conditions strong ones. This will not be akin to your dwarven friend being sent back to clear up his messes with a band around his neck. And I hardly think that now that would be much of a threat to the likes of you three. But, and he leans forward closer than ever before, you can smell his, his which doesn't smell entirely bad per se, but you can, you can smell it as he leans forward, almost dangerously, like, dude, don't fall. You're a, crap, crap, you're, a, you're a cripple. He leans forward closely to, to you and says, I know what you theorized the mind flayer was seeking. We have traversed through the mug. 
Where does it go? Let's have it went. Let's have a conversation in more privacy than here. Agreed. You two, and only you two, and your, and that your dwarven companion, visit me in the House of Questions in Silwood. In a few days' time after this nonsense is com complete, we will discuss what we've discovered and terms will be placed. But I will make no mistake right now. What I am asking you to do is with our assistance to get where you ultimately may be seeking, or at least a good direction there. If and when you find what you're looking for, you will deliver it to me. If that is not agreeable, then no need to come to Silwood. As I, I say, hand you would put it into, would it be to ferry? It's not for you to be concerned about, but it would be a mage of my choosing. Yes, once we understand what power we're dealing with, the best candidate will be selected for it. But make no mistake, again, balancing the scale. The core Thelutar is hungry for this, despite his already great power. He claimed he knows six individuals, including himself, that could rain the same meteor swarms our enemy is using to scare us upon the enemy. He is making threats that may not be obvious. You have delivered one, whatever you choose to. You may say you won't use it, but come now, I know you could retrieve it if it's not already in the hands of a trusted in the trusted ally somewhere else. If Agrestone is to be on the playing field, we require such a thing. Consolidating even one of these in Luneth's hands is dangerous. And if he has one, it's only a matter of time before he gets two or three. And then it won't be just your crow we have to worry about. It will be the Cors Salutar. He won't wait for us to give the Moonwall to him. He'll take it, and he'll take Silwood, and he'll take all of Ag Agarstone. The reason these things are not supposed to be common knowledge. It's supposed to be hidden away and never utilized. Well, it looks like your friend the elf was doing a fair job about that until he wasn't anymore. And now the enemy has that as well. Yeah. So we, in the future, we can be better. Yes. But for now, we must dole out the resources appropriately. I'm sure you can understand that. And most importantly, what plan did you have to go? Were you going to stick your finger on a map of the north and hope you draw up bear from the wells? Well, we were going to follow the dragons, and, you know, the giants. All across the north. Let's just say I'm offering you the potential to go where you need be 
in a scant fraction of the time before this truth is over, rather than dallying amongst all the northern mountain and, and hill and hoth knows what for the next 10 years. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I make no guarantees that this item is even there. For all we know, your mind flare friend may have been plumb wrong. Or we know start. You do know that, and I'm sure you realized when I asked about it what I was getting after. So Yes, I pieced together what you were asking, and I've seen what Luneth is saying. If I didn't know any better, I would think that you two were in cahoots. But once you questioned him, I realized that you were not. So I instead ask that you once again cahoot with me. For no the collars around our around. necks. No collars, but there will be collateral. Otherwise, how can we possibly know? Are you talking can... about the guild hall? We'll talk more in person. Come to Silwood. We'll discuss a pleasant conversation. I'll even put on tea. And if you choose to not take advantage, so be it. If you choose to do so, then we can talk about what that would look like. But the best collateral is of the living thought. I notice that your blue tobacco friend is looking quite hale and healthy. It would be wise for him to be safely kept out of harm's way until you're back from your journey northward. Well, we can come calling and talk about it more, but I will let you know I can't leave for a week because I have something going on next Friday. Do what you will. Next fall. Full. Or whatever. Here. I knew it started with an F and ended with something. Wish you will. As you always do, voice of the crowd. Now, we're discussing more in, in private. Send me a message, a sending, before you come so I can make sure the tea is piping hot for you. Of course. Do not by any circumstance deliver your apparatus to Elfheim. Once again, you might make threats, but at least you've been consistent. I don't know that man from a hole in the wall. What makes you think I'd ever deliver it to him? I don't. I don't think you would. Good. But I thought you were smarter than that. You can be unpredictable. Oh, and the dwarf isn't here. Come on, it's us. Really? You're the one who, who was just in a, in, a, in a room. Fair enough, though. We've had our pleasant conversation. I appreciate your candor and your candid nature 
and most importantly, your secrecy going forward. I do not want this to be discussed with your queen, your Daniel lovers. You know that you have tasks that others do not need to know of. My hope is that the idiots in that room quickly forget about what you just said and focus again on their toy soldiers and their spears and their pikes, digging trenches and doing conventional warfare while the likes of you and me can think about the grander picture. Not just ending this, but making sure that we are not all under another's thumb, balancing the scales. Krasnick! Krasnick stands up. I've had quite enough. I'll see you soon. Of course. Have a pleasant evening. See you inside. It's inquisitor will wheel him inside. And you guys can chit-chat on your bench if you choose to here before we end tonight's session. And then we'll pick up next time with just wrapping up whatever very, very tail end things there are there, which is not going to be much, which and then be done. Well, I think we need to, before we go back into that room, we need to set some boundaries of what we would like uh, knowledge to be if we were to talk to the Korsaluta. For they, while might not be able to penetrate into our minds, they might pry with more conventional means considering they now know that we know at least a degree of these articles. Why don't we just tell the truth? You want to tell the whole truth? No, not the whole truth, but the truth that we already know he knows. Oh, so that we... We were friends with Firesong. We saw right. through Dawnfire's eyes. Right. And that's how we know that the crow already had a scroll and he used it to take fire songs. Therefore, we know he has two. That's what I said. That that's common knowledge. All right. I think that's a fair. So we've been with the Katreva. We know this. This is fair. I think it might be pertinent that we leave it at that then. Not going to go off the handle. Right. I just want to make sure that um, ducks are in a row. If not for you, but for me as well. Quack, quack. Quack, quack. So. Stop looking so worried, Norwin. I've got resting worried face. You know this. Remember what Urfile said? Hmm. The sheathed sword will win no battles. We need to stop bitching around. I know, I know. It's just... It's time to make a decision and move forward. And from the way it looks to me, we already have a way north. Yeah. Congratulations, we have a leg up. Yeah, that's that's fair. I just, you know, when you start unsheathing your swords, you can't help but look around the room and see, you know. That everyone can the... see your sword in that dress? All that. And, you know, some people in that room have to... Um, you know, put pressure on their sword in order to not drag it across the ground. And I don't mean the guy with the big fucking sword. Which one, then? 
I think you, you get my point. I see what the Archlector is saying. And, uh, yeah. He might be distasteful, but he has been consistent. And we know what to expect. Slimy, but he is logical. Mm-hmm. And he's the enemy we know. Yes. I would like to know this other individual, at least a little bit better. But it feels like when somebody has that much power that they tend to consider themselves above such other kind of creatures, especially with their natural arrogance, no offense to, I guess, mankind, the elves. But they, you weren't like that. Mm, well, didn't, didn't live long enough. But you Perhaps. were in his position. Well, that was somebody who has a different kind of mentality than I do, I guess. I thought that was you. In a great, in a way, it's, I think it's more of a way that it would meld. And so, you know, it's, it's like two streams coming together to form a river. But he doesn't have any of the memories or knowledge that you do. So how can no. he even fulfill this position? Well, you don't need to have the knowledge of past lives of the Kosluta to be the Kosluta. You just need to fill the, the capabilities of the position, being a powerful mage of the Colmantia. Yeah. I guess, would I know if the Course of Lutar is always the reincarnation of the Course of Lutar? It is, is, it like is not. Lama? No, yeah. it is not by any means whatsoever. All of them reincarnation, when they're, when, when <clears throat> they're young, they can choose to, to, to dream and they can sort of see glimpses of their past life. Sure. And some do that to get, you know, inspiration and stuff. But in general, elves don't want to know about their past life that much. Mm-hmm. Because then they're like, well, then who, who am I? So sort of thing. Um, it's very uncommon for an elf to know, oh, my previous life was like Todd. There's Todd again coming up every time. That's very, a Todd. very uncommon. You were an exception because it was a course Salatar and he died unexpectedly. Okay. So the, cor- the course Salatar is not a reincarnation thing at all. It's simply the tit- title that means grand mage of all. I think that's actually the translation i was like the grand mage above all pages yeah just a a, title yeah so it's not like it's not necessarily like an inherited thing and so because then that individual will be quite quite powerful indeed having the previous knowledge of all you know an archmage that's lived for thousands of years culmination of histories and experiences you know, well, no matter what, me. he's the one who told everyone, not me. So I can't get in trouble. No, I wasn't saying that you are in trouble, of course. I'm he's just preparing myself. Yeah, perhaps. I just don't know how much we want to deflect upon on him the questions that will be coming like a torrent from the other I nations. I think we're in the clear. Again, let's just be honest. We don't know where any are. I don't. Yeah, physically i have no idea you know i couldn't get it if i wanted to that's also fair that is yeah all you you and your your neurological loopholes i i respect that 
Um, yeah, I'm gonna let you do the talking on this one. So, aim to get us where we are now. Don't be afraid to tell me to shut up. Sure, I'll um, I'll think on that. No, just say it. All right, I'll just say it. So, here, here, I guess, as they have been wanting to say. Back to uh, it, pitter patter. Pitter patter. I do think uh, it'd be good to get Earthhouse's opinion on that before we do anything too drastic. I'm I will start walking away from Norway back towards the building and go. Yep. Where's yep. the crown? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all right. Well, we'll also stop there because it was already getting quite late. We'll pick up with you guys re-entering and having any other dialogues you wish to have with the remaining 25 five minutes or so of the, of the recess. If you choose to have some, obviously it sounds like you want to speak with the chorus Salutar. Um others may you you may want to speak with this is your last opportunity to to, to do that during this last long recess after after this recess there will be only another 15 to 30 minutes more of the actual summit again um finishing remarks and then people will go home um end of end of some again this was more of a high level strategy talk rather than a tactics talk, because tactics are people's full-time job for months, right? To figure out what, what forces go here, here. This is just more of a high-level strategy. Where must we defend? Are we all in, in agreement? Corsair, everything was going smoothly, but the Corsair Latar, as calmly as he was, did kind of throw some wrenches into plants. As, as you said, Annie, he, he brought it up first. <laughs> he just dropped mm-hmm. knowledge about this stuff. Yeah, really he was one slapping his fruits into our faces. Mm-hmm. And the arch lector would not have approached you the way he did if there if if you hadn't said something of the sort. So regardless, mm-hmm. um, for better or for worse, some information is, is out there. It looks like you guys have more conversations you wish to have briefly before we wrap up the end of uh, that. Mm-hmm. So with that, I will say goodbye, good night to, to, to you, and I'll see you all not next Monday. But two Mondays from now, though I think you guys are coming over, or you got Leo's going to be here to finish out this thing. The next Monday. Yeah. Hey, what up? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. I just dropped my notes into the scheduling so everyone can take a look oh, at that. I dropped mine into the Grave Walkers and God RP. There we oh, go. That's probably we smart. Didn't, we didn't cross. Grave Walkers go. and God RP is a great place. So I had to have it for that. Wow. You guys took a lot of notes. God dang. I'll have to look through these. Mm hmm. Well, you were talking the whole time. What else am I going to do? I know, I know. I feel, I feel bad. Like this is so. This is not a normal D and D session by any means. This is just a lot of fucking talking with a little bit of RP. But I, yeah, I, I figured, I figured at a thing like uh, this, that's kind of what what you expect. But we got to the meaty RP that I, mm-hmm. I hope we would tonight. And I don't want to move too far further because Leo isn't here. So, um, no, exactly. And I think that makes sense. And then he can read through our notes and then kind of. Um, Listen to this. He, he wants to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rachel to wants to. Can scrub this. This. This audio shouldn't take long because because it's just Zoom and then slap slap it up there and uh, he can listen to it while he's working in the cafe late nights for us this week. Poor guy. Yep. Oh, poor buddy. All right. Cool. Okay. Nice chat with you. See ya. Peace out. See you in two weeks, Bye. Stephen. Bye. Bye.